0: This is Archery Unfiltered, where I, Wendell Souza, cover California archery events and what it takes to make you a better archer.
1: Archery! Unfiltered. Yeah, archery. Unfiltered.
0: Good evening! Ah, oh, that sucks. On. Let me start that over. There's a lot of editing that goes into being unfiltered. <laughs> All right, everyone. I'm here with a special guest tonight, Randall Kilpack, a uh, longtime friend of mine, professional archer out in Northern California. Good evening, Randall.
1: Hey, Wendell. It's a pleasure to be here with you tonight to uh, to talk with you.
0: Yeah, this has kind of been like a a long time thing that I've been wanting to do. Um, anyone that listens to the show knows I like to interview people that win. Um, Like I said earlier, it's not to be elitist or anything like that. I just feel like people that win stuff generally have something to teach us. Um, Randall, you are no exception to this. You've been winning a lot for the past handful of years. And if you haven't won, you're normally close to it. You're either on the podium or you're right next to it. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. um, I would say that indoors – the last couple of years has actually been a really strong season for me yeah um i've done really well um yeah it's it's been a lot of fun and then uh outdoors this last outdoor season for me also was was uh really entertaining really fun a lot of things i learned a lot of stuff and uh, a lot of that actually culminated right before redding which was really nice because uh Reddings always always a difficult shoot, you know, 70 targets over 3 days and uh being able to actually execute for 3 days straight when by the 3rd day you're you're pretty much wiped out depending on you yeah. know how in shape you are which
0: also your group or the group in front of you mm-hmm. you know those I always found like the the slow uh stalls or like a hang up if you're waiting for the group in front that's the thing that saps me the most is the you know hurry up and wait
1: oh yeah absolutely it's a killer when uh when you basically are staring at a target knowing you're not going to be able to shoot at it for <laughs> another hour or so so
0: um so let's see i'm going to switch up the order on things i wanted to talk to you on uh let's start into your your archery story randall because this is your first time being on the show most people i have i talked to because i'm so shy right I know it doesn't sound like it, but I am shy, so it's it's hard for me to haggle to get people on the show. I end up getting really, like, standoffish. It was like when I had Gaius Carter as the guest. It took a lot of arm-twisting from Elliot Peters <laughs> to get me to do it. Um, but most of the people I have on, like, their first time they're they're on, I'll, we'll get their backstory. And then the second time will be, like, dick jokes, you know?
1: Fair enough. I'll keep those for later. <laughs> uh,
0: when did you start shooting?
1: Um, I want to say the first time I ever picked up a bow, I was actually 10. Jesus. Um, I,
0: how, how old are you now? 29? Uh, tw- yeah,
1: a little bit. 29 for like the uh, 13th time. <laughs> um, I, I want to, be- yeah, I'd have to do some quick math. I don't really track it very well, but I want to say I'm 44. Okay. But, uh, no, I was 10 years old. Um, I just, for whatever reason, got really interested in archery and stuff like that. And so I asked my dad for a bow, and uh, he bought me this absolutely cute, uh, it was an orange fiberglass bow, compound of all things. Mm. And uh, I was flinging these arrows in the backyard of my parents' house in Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple of them went over the fence, a little wild, (laughs) things ended up in trees, and uh, so I, I, was, I was having a lot of fun with it, um, and it just kind of went off to the wayside because I also, about uh, just a few you know, weeks or so into that, I, I picked up air rifles, uh-huh. and uh, that got really interesting for me too. And so as the years progressed, um, I started looking back at archery fondly because I got into the Boy, Sc- uh, Boy Scout program. Mm-hmm and they always have three shooting merit badges there's your archery merit badge rifle shooting merit badge and of course there's a shotgun shooting merit badge mm-hmm. and so what i realized is as long as you sign up for these classes you got to basically shoot all three different types of of firearms or indoor bows and you got to do it all camp long which camps were usually like a week long but if you've never got the merit badge then you always had a reason to sign back up the next time you went to boy scout camp and so it wasn't until i actually was turning 18 that i actually got the merit badges for all three of those but you just
0: fucking hit nexus on everything
1: a little bit of practice a little bit of practice but uh i I wasn't anywhere near as as interested or driven or or uh, uh really all that dedicated to archery at the time um
0: you just like projectile sports Really or shooting sports, I think is what they call them.
1: I really do. I, I like shooting sports in particular because of the self-mastery that's required. Mm-hmm. And uh, anybody who practices archery, I think, for a long period of time is is going to see that eventually. That, whoa, this is going to require something to be paid as well as to be received. Mm-hmm. So um, I moved to California. Um, I want to say that was 2011 and it became quickly apparent um at that particular time and moment in time i was actually um just getting interested in long-range rifle shooting Mm -hmm. um six six hundred plus yards type stuff and uh it became really apparent that rifles wasn't going to be a thing um california the uh, the there's kind of a a lockdown shall we say on on firearms and stuff like that and so being able to find a place that you could shoot that far um, was going to be difficult, and so I, I asked my dad to send me my bow and arrows from Salt Lake City, which at the time was a uh, Bear Panther XL. Nice. Uh, one of those old, uh, uh, what do they call them now, the little uh, uh, cable um, teardrop, uh, the little teardrop um, strings that used to have the little, anyway. Was it was like
0: a little metal... Hook or something, that yeah. Th- they go went from the cable to a string. Or mm-hmm. You had eyelets on it. Mm-hmm. I actually, ha- I think I had one of those in the basement.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they're exceptionally dangerous now. You know, especially <laughs> as they get old, they kind of self destruct. And so I haven't touched that bow since. But uh, yeah, he shipped that to me. I, I I found Pacifica Archery. Um, went in there to shoot a few times and quickly realized that technology had progressed quite a bit past. This bow that my my dad had bought me—I don't know how many years before—and so I uh, I bought a new bow. I I made some executive decisions there. I was really interested. Carbon bows were just coming out, and so uh-huh. I bought a 2012 carbon matrix.
0: Ooh, that's a good bow.
1: Oh, I love that bow. Um, but I was like, I'm going to turn this into a target bow, which. Um, Spoiler alert, didn't really go all that well. But uh, it, it got me down the path um, of shooting more consistently.
0: It did get you away from the bear bow, though.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> dude, side, like a little side side quest here. Fucking Stallone uh, did an Instagram video where he's like, look at this new bow. And it, he's got a compound bow, and it's like a bear archery bow. And it's like, dude, you could afford something better. And that hunk of crap. Anyway,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's only, only if you can buy the explosive arrows with it. <laughs> yeah.
0: But anyway, so you went in there. You got the carbon matrix.
1: Yeah, I bought a carbon matrix. Um, at the same time that I bought that bow, I, I dumped—I don't know—maybe a thousand dollars into those old uh, uh, the blade from uh, uh, the fuse carbon blade. Uh-huh. You remember those? Yeah. The diving I had, boards. I had a set. Yeah, I, I, I spent so much money on that stabilizer thinking they were awesome.
0: Those things were saucy looking. Yeah. I used to think they were awesome too.
1: Yeah, I was I was lucky enough uh, when I kind of figured out what was going on and getting a lot of vibration, shall we say, in the vertical plane, um, <laughs> I was able to unload those onto a poor unsuspecting soul spacky somewhere. So wherever you are, I hope you enjoyed those.
0: <laughs> do do you, you ever see videos of the Koreans shooting those, those during, like, on their compound bows, back when they were hot, they'd put the doinker, like, right after the bar, and mm-hmm. then the fat stack of weight after. So the thing... Not only do you have that wavy plane bar on the vertical plane, but then they'd have, like, a hanging stack of weights after it. It looked terrible. but <laughs> Okay, so you, unlo- yeah. you unloaded those?
1: Yeah, I unloaded those, um, I, I want to say, about that same time... Um, the spider bar was starting to make an appearance.
0: Were you shooting at SFA already, or were you just going into PA to shoot?
1: I was going into PA and shooting quite regularly, at least about, about once a week. Uh-huh. And uh, that's when they actually kind of turned me on to the fact that there was this archery range in Pacifica mm-hmm. um, called San Francisco Archers. And, uh, so I actually drove down there one afternoon and, uh, went shot there and I was like, oh, this, this is cool too.
0: Yeah, well, is. This is free.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I hadn't been exposed to field archery yet, uh-huh. you know, and so kind of the concept of being able to go from target to target and have conditions change, distances change. I'm not going to say I understood the, you know, the whole distance markers and stuff at the time, but, uh basically having that that different challenge um, was intriguing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I kind of split my time for a while between Pacifica and outdoors uh, at San Francisco Archers. And uh, at one point, I actually decided to move from a, an apartment that I had rented in the Park Merced area to an apartment that was... I want to say three miles away from San Francisco Archers, uh-huh. so I was like, "Hey, I can go there faster, easier, <laughs> stay longer, and then uh, yeah, just slink my way home after a day of shooting." So,
0: <laughs> oh man, those were the good days, huh?
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're we're still lucky enough to be very close to San Francisco Archers physically, um, <laughs> and uh, so we're able to shoot quite regularly over there.
0: Yeah, you and Alinda. Yeah, your wife.
1: Yeah, um, so. Olinda, oh, um, you know, exceptional barebow shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I met at a indoor league at Pacific Archery. Oh, um, I was there to shoot league. She had just gone through uh, uh, some classes. She had thoroughly abused her arm um, to the point with the string hitting hitting her up and down the arm. Her whole entire arm was was bruised. And she she was showing that to me, and I was I was thoroughly surprised. Um, but uh, we started talking, and I told her about this San Francisco Archers thing, and she she went down there to shoot, and she would go regularly, and uh, yeah, here we are, six six and a half years later. That's and, awesome, uh, man. Married and still competing quite a bit.
0: That's awesome, man. Six and a half years. That means. Because I think I've known you for seven.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that about right?
1: Yeah. Alina well, and I got married uh, 2016 in September, so just a little under six and a half years. Wow.
0: Isn't that crazy, dude? To think? I mean, I'm not stoned, but a stoned thought has creeped out. We've almost known each other for a decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's nuts.
1: <laughs> yeah no i've been in California for uh we'll just say on and off for yeah twelve years so <laughs> oh, no, that's never, the that's the crazy part <laughs> never never thought that was gonna happen yeah
0: yeah olinda's so cool i've i've told her before that um to me she's like an n p c like a non playable character or like a demigod right like she exists she's there she makes everyone feel great you know <laughs>
1: She does. She does she she does that really, really well. She's really a nice person to be around. Um you know, it's just she's she's a lot of fun on the range. If anybody's out there and, and sees her, you know, usually she's got her little horns on because she she, she just I mean, she plays a character yeah. as, as as much as anything else.
0: I that's how them barbo people do. Yeah, she she really enjoys it. <laughs> At least she's not dressed up like uh Robin Hood or <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> <Friend>. <laughs> You're like, ah, plead the fifth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, okay, you find SFA. Uh, when did you start shooting like competitive freestyle?
1: I I I started taking some lessons from a gentleman Mick Redding. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's a former Olympic coach. Um, he was doing lessons through. Uh, Pacific archery, and I was I was just trying to find another gear, so uh-huh. to speak, um, because you know things things were working, but they weren't quite working as well as I thought I thought at the time they could. Um, little did I know I was really an infant um, in the whole journey there. But uh, so we I was taking some lessons from him, and was uh, this
0: just to get better, or were you going to like regional shoots at the time, or?
1: at at the time it was it was simply for a quest to improve. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, because we really hadn't found competition um we had decided that we were going to shoot some some different things like at a club level. Mm-hmm. Like you know? club shoots. Yeah, and and so like, you know, some club shoots which honestly can be anything from highly competitive to just entertainment, yeah. you know, depending on how your how your mood is, I guess. But we were shooting those events and taking lessons. And so it became quickly apparent that the gear I had chosen to use, at the time it was still the Carbon Matrix, um, was actually kind of a hindrance and impeding some improvement. Mm -hmm. And so I bought a used uh, Pro Comp Elite XL Mm -hmm. because i just i'm a big guy and i like big bows so i needed a nice 40 inch axle to axle bow and uh i bought this thing it was snow camel white which for a target bow i don't understand (laughs) um it was it was like if i remember correctly it was like 29 and a half inches of draw Uh which at the time when i was measured for my my uh, carbon matrix, I mean, they measured me at like 27 and three quarters of an inch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that's too long, but we'll, we'll figure it out. And that got me into trying to find cams for it, trying to figure out what mm-hmm. to do with strings. And it really became the 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 uh, gateway, so to speak, to everything I think that I've been able to evolve in my archery career since then. Mm-hmm. Because it, it forced you to, or it forced me to, really look at all these different components and what they do and how they do it mm-hmm. and so literally from one weekend i think i think we were doing maybe this was one of the first uh, 50 meter leagues and uh, it was it was interesting it was about that same time like rudy and and uh, jim you know they were they were really hot they at that time i think it was the year that they either won or or placed really well with the outlaws Uh-huh. And uh, They were
0: wearing, like, spider jerseys. Yeah, like, yeah. It was, Jim was it, shooting a Red Pro Comp, I think a Lightning Pro Comp or something like that.
1: I want to say I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was ge- really getting, getting into that group, you know, this, this, these people that were also, you know, like-minded for competition. And I went from one week to the next week, and I picked up 10 points just by getting, actually using a real target bow.
0: Getting correct draw length.
1: Mm-hmm. And fix, fixing all this stuff. And so I was like, okay, well, there's there's something to using the proper equipment, mm-hmm. and there's something to feel, and feel is a is an underlying current for literally everything I'm doing now. Um, there's a, there's a lot of things that seem intuitive, and there's a lot of things that are solely about how it feels. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're able to hit both of those, you're you're doing really well.
0: Well, we're gonna get into some of that, because. I hear that a lot of people say or a lot of really good shooters now say something very similar where tuning for feel is or i i guess tune, tuning for feel Trump's tuning for paper or tuning for bear shaft you know
1: oh absolutely i i i wholeheartedly agree i t- tuning to a result only proves that you've you've now accomplished that result, yeah versus you know what? What I guess I, I don't know where this, the first pers- person I ever heard this from was. You know, we only score arrows in the target. Yeah. So where did the arrow go? Yeah. Where did it land? Can it be better? Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah. You know, um, I I I will admit I am anal about like a paper tune. I w- when I had the elite, I was anal, anal about bear shaft tuning. Neither of those things were feel, though. And I'll spend way more time on bars, you know, mm-hmm. pee pipe, things like that to get feel, you know, about where I want it. Damn, now I want to ask you about how you're doing that stuff for feel. Let me l- let me make a note so we can circle back around to that, okay? Yeah, certainly. Um, because I do think... I mean, I still want to know more about your, s- your story here. Uh, tuning for feel. Okay, so... <coughs> So, that's about the time you met Jim, Rudy. So, that time I know about, it is right before... Like, I was just getting into the sport also over here, on you know, on the other side of the bridge, and didn't know you guys even existed. Didn't know this thing existed. So, it's kind of cool because we're, we kind of, like, are popping up at the same time seeing this, you know, evolve here. Um, so, what... What was your bow after that?
1: Uh, Let's see. So I actually bought multiple. I had two Pro Comp XLs because I learned very quickly that indoor and outdoor are so drastically different for me. Mm
0: -hmm. For as long as I've known you, you've usually had two bows.
1: Yeah, and I I, I know, I mean, because we've been to a couple of seminars now, and everybody's like, fear the person with one bow, and it's like, yeah, well, uh, sure, but... (laughs) It's better to have one bow shoot incredibly well for a purpose than it is to have... Anyway.
0: Oh, no. So, so check this out. Like, I have my my title here. I have it shooting really good. It's going to break my heart to set it up for outdoor. Mm -hmm. So, part of me is like, maybe I'll shoot something else for outdoor and just keep this here. But granted... There's enough stabilizer on this thing to buy a second bow right now. So it's like oh, it sucks to not take that out there with me, but
1: <laughs> yeah, no, there's 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 just something about it. You know, you you can take things apart and try to put them back together and you can measure them 15 different times and it may not feel the same.
0: You ever hear about like I hate to say his name, but John Dudley built two bows. I think he built three bows. Um exact same riser. Same cams. He built the strings for them. All exactly the same, right? Built everything side by side. The limbs were cut all out of one piece of... Well, you know, Hoyt cuts mm-hmm. out of a piece of glass. But this family of limbs was all cut out of the same piece of glass. He said every single bow felt different after he set it up. So I totally get it. No two bows will feel alike. I know some people... I can't I off the top of my head if it's a pro or, or who. But I know some people that have the... We'll take, we'll just shoot different, the the same model, but just different ones until they find one they like. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, I'll start with this one.
1: Yeah. I, th- there's so many bow, I mean, so many nuances from a bow that can cause so many different things to feel different that, yeah. uh, yeah. Like I, I, I had two, I had one that I dedicated for indoors. I had one that I dedicated for outdoors mm-hmm. And what I would always do, and this is still true to this day, is I will have a, what I feel at the time is probably my best outdoor season, right? And so I will take that bow and I will clone it onto whatever bow I'm shooting for the indoor season and I'll shoot that bow and I'll shoot that bow indoors and then I will go through the entire indoors and I'll be like, man, this bow's shooting really good and I'll clone it from my now outdoors uh-huh. back onto whatever bow I'm shooting for the outdoors. Yeah. Well they're never ever ever the same They're never the same shit right? always changes we always evolve and yeah. so it's, it's just that con continuous adaption to you know maybe this is this feels better this way now or this feels that way and uh like i just i really loved the uh the geometry the feel of a, the pro comp Uh
0: uh-huh.
1: um so i actually stuck with it even when hoyt offered the podium mm-hmm. I said, no, there's not enough difference between my Excel over here and that podium for me to really be, I need to drop for two bows, you know, yeah. $4,000 or whatever it would have been. And uh, so I skipped that model year. And then uh, I want to say about 2016 is when Olen and I got married. And there, it's, it's a marker for me because she actually bought me a bow. Oh. Um, she she actually bought me one of the prevails
0: I remember your prevail,
1: and uh she bought me i i, I love the uh I, it was unfortunately nicknamed doodoo brown but uh the the harvest brown
0: oh man, that's my favorite,
1: and I will never get rid of that bow you still have it I still have it <laughs> um I cannot get rid of that bow I would not feel right doing that because it was literally like an engagement ring yeah right? you know yeah but uh I shot the shot the crap out of that bow, yeah and
0: uh do brown it's a paintball thing
1: mm-hmm <laughs> um yeah that's that's that, those are a whole of the conversation <laughs> yeah' Cause that that was anyway, we'll get to that <laughs> but uh yeah I, I shot that bow, I love that bow i I actually bought a white uh podium i'm sorry uh, a white prevail to use as a
0: yes outdoor bow yes, I remember your white mm-hmm. prevail also.
1: And so I shot the white Prevail quite a bit. And then uh, right before the, let's see, I want to say the Invicta, right before I actually bought an Invicta, I had uh, Darren, uh, so DB Customs, uh, Cerakote it for me. And we did a really cool, I, I mean, shout out to DB Customs for this, right? Um, I said, hey, I want a, a really dark color to fade to a really light color. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll be damned if he didn't figure out how to do it. And so it was Corvette yellow on top, and right at the grip, over the space of, I want to say, maybe a three or four inches, it faded from that Corvette yellow to black.
0: Yeah, that was cool.
1: And the top cam was yellow, bottom cam was black.
0: You had a Punisher
1: skull. He, he did. He put the Punisher skull on it for me because... Uh, let's just face it. That's kind of like my spirit animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, punish others, punish myself. I don't know.
0: Let me ask because I'm also a fan of the Punisher. Thomas Jane, Punisher, or uh, John Barenthal <laughs> <laughs> Pun Punisher.
1: Um, I would have to say because I'm not really a huge comic book fan. Uh huh. Um, so the the whole Punisher I fell fell for was. And it was the movie, the movie with John Travolta, and and I'm forgetting the the actor's name at this point. Thomas Jane. Okay, I and think his
0: name is Thomas Jane, but yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and that was it.
0: I love that one too. When he's fighting Kevin Nash, who's the Russian, mm-hmm. and the, the, the fucking stabs him in the chest, super slow. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. No. That that's it's epic.
0: I I like the Thomas Jane Punisher because I feel like I get my ass kicked in the same way he does on a day to day basis. I, I identify more with the uh Barenthal Punisher because of my own mental illness. <laughs> so <laughs> have you watched that series?
1: I can't say that I have no. Oh
0: Randall. I'll I'll sacrifice my ATT uh internet and pirate it for you and put <laughs> it on a flash drive. It's good. Sweet. <laughs> so anyway. Your prevail just so you know, I have a terror because I don't smoke weed so much anymore, I have my the worst thing I do is I Beeline, con- like if you have a linear storyline and I'm talking to you about it, we're gonna have about a thousand <laughs> detours. Hey, no worries. <laughs> I,
1: I, yeah, like I, I really enjoy conversations. Uh huh. Um, some people, I mean, I'm, I'm usually the guy sitting in the corner observing, uh huh. Um, basically, because I, I really do like to understand what's going on around me, it's uh-huh. just my one of my personality quirks. Um, but yeah I, I love having conversations. So
0: Okay. So Ground prevail is that the bow that you qualify for pro with?
1: Uh no actually the the bow that I was shooting when I did that was the green uh Invicta. Invicta.
0: I remember your green Invicta also.
1: Yeah, that that bow I've I've, I've been lucky. I mean there's there's been some bows that have been really monumental um the green invicta i i sold the the yellow pretty veil um to buy the green invicta and i i I didn't feel right at the time replacing the brown uh, prevail and so i only had one invicta and i had the prevail for indoors because you know indoors wasn't necessarily a speed show Mm -hmm. and uh i really liked how that invicta ran
0: how did you have it um do you have it with HBT cams or uh, spiral cams?
1: Uh, I I ran that with every single cam combination that you could buy.
0: Same. I I ordered mine with spirals and it tuned like shit, mm-hmm. and it was an extremely snappy bow. So I was like, if it's gonna be that snappy, I'd like it to tune good. And it wasn't until I put HBT cams on that it it started to fall in line. I'm sorry, not HBT cams. The I uh, to say the HBX. Yeah, or is it right. DCX cam? DCX. I think it was, it was too the, many acronyms yeah anymore, right yeah, yeah yeah I
1: think you're right I think it was the d c x cam
0: yeah and after the d c x cam went on felt like a aggressive cam tuned really well somewhat like that bow
1: yeah they they always uh they always kinda I'm trying to remember the name of the the original back from when the spiral and there was the other cam but uh yeah it was it was always supposed to be a bit of a softer cam uh-huh but I think because of how peppy the uh, the Invicta really was, um, it was a really good compromise. Yeah. You know, not quite, you know, tear your arm off aggressive, holy crap. But at the same point in time, it wasn't a spongy, right. sloppy bow.
0: Right. Had a good back wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the bow you qualified for pro with. And what's, let's detour out of this and talk about you qualified for pro how many years ago?
1: Um, I made the decision to kind of hold it as a personal goal. Yeah. Um, and I made that decision in uh, 2019.
0: Go right. figure. And I think, to not to cut you off here, but I, I'm not exactly sure which bow you're shooting, but around brown bow time is where we all started to see you really get good. And it was either you putting in a lot of work at the range or taking your practice much more seriously. Rudy's going to hate me for saying this, but whenever you look at a team, at least in myself, I look at that like a hierarchy of shooters, right? Not based on anything other than their scores, right? Who's the guy on the team that scores high, right? And it was kind of like Rudy, Jim, you, and then it was real quick, Randall, and then Jim or Rudy. Like, Like, you got... And it was right around brown bow time. I am going to say, like, that's about the time where you started jumping up. I mean, there were other guys on your team, too. But you three were kind of like the big dogs. And then uh, you were kind of like, bloop, bloop, bloop. And maybe it was yellow and black Punisher bow, or it was white Invicta, or it was the bow right after. Maybe it was the green, I'm sorry, green Invicta. There was a point, and maybe no one told you but you, the unspoken hierarchy was Randall, you know? And I mean this as, like, mm-hmm. top-scoring guy. It's not to put anyone yeah. down, right? Uh, like, Rudy hates it. Well, he used to hate it when he used to talk about this because we talk about rivalries, and, like, when you go practice with your buddy, you're like, I'm going to whoop your ass today, you know? And mm-hmm. he, used to, he used to hate that. But Darren used to, you know, my buddy Darren would tell me. I'm coming for you today. I'd be like, bring it on, baby. Like, let's let's see how it goes.
1: Yeah, certainly, certainly.
0: So about this time, I'm not sure what year this is, but I'm going to say Brown Bow is where you start shaking everything up. We start – I started noticing you more and more. I think that's when we were practicing a lot, like when, yes. I, when I would come by um, and we practiced against each other. And then there was a point where it was like, holy shit, Randall's going to beat me if I don't fucking, you know – do something you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it, and it, a lot of our practice would go either way you, you'd either beat me or you know i get lucky and you'd have to leave early <laughs> you know
1: yeah the, uh, the big change right about that time I want to say was yeah dedication to actual practice mm-hmm. um, I was going once maybe twice a week to the range and I really wasn't like going to practice with a purpose or with any specific goal in mind I was just going to shoot my bow. Yeah, and what kind of changed is we we did we like Rudy and I competed together with uh, in the Outlaws for I, I want to say three seasons. I remember consecutively and uh,
0: my first season is when I met you guys. You guys were teammates. Mm-hmm. You guys were our partners for Outlaw.
1: Yeah, and we, we were, uh, you know, interested in, in shooting. Obviously, once you start getting into a competitive scenario like the Outlaws series is, then now it's like, okay, well, this is this is my benchmark. Mm-hmm. How, how do I beat it if, if only by a point? How do I beat it next right. time? It's
0: the wonderful and, thing about the Outlaws.
1: Right? And then you how do I beat it again and how do I beat it again, right? And so, yeah, we shot together for for a lot, a long time there and uh I was starting to focus on okay this this is this is what I need to make that little stick go into the middle of that circle over there is I need pin float to be manageable mm-hmm. okay well how do I control that right how do I how do I feel like I'm actually in control of that right because um, for for me a lot of things uh, particularly because pin float's been pretty big for me this indoor season um, it's one thing to look at something and say, okay, you know, that's, that's hardly moving at all. Everything's fine. But it's another to feel like I, I am in a hundred percent control of wherever that thing is at any given time. Mm-hmm. And I have a little bit of a, a personality quirk as it were, you know, that I don't like losing control. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like to be in control of situations. Um, so having erratic pin float, uh, is a problem for me mm-hmm. um, i want it i want it to be uh, i'm not going to say patterned per se but i want it to be predictable
0: yes predictable is the word i use as well mm-hmm.
1: and so uh, I, I, at that point in time i was trying to focus more on okay what is it doing how do i control it mm-hmm. because if it, if it looks like a, a plate of spaghetti you dropped on the floor well I'm not 100% sure I want that when I'm you know hearing the tomato sauce over here and all this (laughs) other stuff you know but to take the analogy too far I suppose but (laughs) yeah that was perfect
0: (laughs) but yeah like
1: how do I control it so that you know yeah I'm floating inside of something that's respectable and uh and so I started focusing on things like that and uh it was I want to say maybe a little bit before that that I started noticing that um, I was able to support a significant amount of bow weight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I started just pounding, uh, putting an additional weight on the the front and back bar of my stabilizers. And I really started adding the weight um, in part. I mean, just by watching like uh, I want to, I want to say Mike Schlosser, you know, was, was starting to kind of make his way out there and I'm mm-hmm. and starting to pay attention to that. And I was like,
0: look at of all course. that weight three pounds why not yeah. you know oh, look at stefan hansen Mm-hmm. it's like jack skellington holding up a fucking dumbbell on the end of his stabilizer you know
1: yeah and and it just it stopped erratic movements it's it, it, it it's a shock absorber it's 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 a buffer it's a, yeah you know use your analogy but and so i was starting to make changes to that and and uh it was just trying f- to find ways to to get that next point because um, when you first start in archery, right, um, you may baseline yourself at, at an established uh, shoot format or something like that. You know, let's let's use a field format for example, right? Five hundred and sixty perfect score. Yeah. Um, you might you might shoot a four hundred, okay. right? Yeah and you might say okay that's now the benchmark yeah and the next time you make an improvement let's say it's just a, a anything as simple as peat placement to to whatever you might see a 15 point jump
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know and and those kind of improvements are only going to happen five or maybe five times right right before you you start making an improvement where it's like well i tweaked my rest and And now I'm averaging a half a point better. Yes. And so. It's a game of inches. mm -hmm, The harder, the harder, the, well, the, the, the closer you get to perfect, the harder it is to get there. Yeah. And so the more things that you have to tweak and tune and look at and and dissect and, and the entire time, of course, you have to be honest with yourself. Yeah. You know? Um,
0: I think that's a downfall of certain like other shooters like i'm mean, not other but there are guys out there that are delusional therefore never make it to this you know i've always talked about like that guy aaron chin that wacky dude aaron chin is one of those dudes you know uh, he's not he's not special because there's plenty of guys like that you know mm-hmm. even guys over here that that i've shot with and come up sh- you know have come up shooting with they're like where's my contract you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I mean, yo, dude. <laughs>
1: got a ways to go, buddy. <laughs> yeah, the,
0: and the bar's raised now. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: it's it's definitely not going down anytime <laughs> soon. But, so. Yeah, it's just those small things that you've got you to tweak a little bit here, a little bit there, just to sh-
0: hey, so scratch. Let me ask. You'd add a, an ounce to the front and back, right, mm-hmm. together? I'd imagine the first couple hundred shots – you're now driving with your bow arm, or lifting, or or pulling with your release hand harder. At some point, like you were just like, okay, that weight stays there; it's not coming off. I'm going to learn to hold this.
1: Yeah there there was there was definitely points like uh, there there were days where I would add three or four ounces, <laughs> and I'd just be like, okay, it sucks, but we just deal with it. Yeah, you know, because that's the reality of it. You would know? you do
0: three or four ounces and then peel a couple off? Oh no, okay. No,
1: no, no. I'm I'm saying like I I I I think at one point I added, and I want to say that this this happened outdoors this last year. Uh huh. Um, I want to say I added eight ounces onto my bow. And like this right is, before a shoot? Like, like this, this
0: is me now. <laughs>
1: yep, this is it. Let's let's do this because you know things were feeling a little erratic, and I was like, well, apparently I'm too used to holding up. Um, crap! I can't even remember. I, I, I think there's 30 ounces on the front of my bar and 30 ounces on the back. Are I think you I'm si- almost dead even? God, front and rear,
0: dude. I'm, I've said this a million times on this show. At my peak, I was shooting 21 and 24 ounces. I've never been able to get back to that point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, once once you uh, once you don't,
0: um, you'll feel it now. To get to that strength, to the strength to hold that, takes hundreds and hundreds, thousands of arrows. I'd imagine. Are you taking in whey protein? Are you doing dumbbell exercises on the side? Are you having to shoot, having somebody shoot growth hormone directly into <laughs> your shoulder?
1: Oh, f- uh, for all you listeners out there, um, imagine a bowling ball, and then put arms and legs on it. And that, that is Randall Kilpack. But uh, no, I it, it's just a matter of of repetition because yeah. you know your your body like you know I mean I'm 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 not an expert in any of this stuff, but you know you you can add bulk or you can add strength yeah, you know and they aren't necessarily the same muscle correct. And so it's over time I've developed a, a pretty solid hold. Uh-huh. With that much weight on my bow.
0: Oh, you know. So I've sat with other people and watched the end of your stabilizer in shootoffs, and we've gone like, it ain't moving, you know.
1: Yep, that's the magic of thirty ounces. It Did, it helps.
0: There was a year, I think this is pre thirty ounce, Randall, where you and me were shooting against each other. I think this was Fresno, and someone was like, someone told me, have you watched how good Randall holds? And I remember being so fucking bitchy and being like, I hold fucking good. All right? What do you mean Randall? What are we talking about Randall for? (laughs) And then I watched and I was like, all right, the the shit don't move. He's
1: okay. He's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, one of the the last shoots that uh, we ever saw Randy Raglan.
3: Uh
1: Uh-huh. I was actually shooting the – it was still white at the time. It was that Prevail with uh, – I think I was shooting uh, V-bar at the time, and he turned to me, and he's like, that shit don't move. Yeah. I was like, well, it's not supposed to, right? (laughs) You know? know, Arrows go that way. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's a a matter of, yeah, kind of, you got to put in the effort.
0: So do you think that's one of the paths towards your improvement has been conditioning yourself to shoot more weight
1: I I'm not gonna say it hurt mm-hmm. um, and definitely I I won't say that you know I mean, you hold your hand out you know and you try to see how steady it is I'm not gonna say that all the time uh, there yeah right but I shoot with this one <laughs> um, I, I think it's yeah it's been a matter of, of conditioning over time and and never backing out of it you know it's like it was a conscious committing. decision yeah committing you know this it. is what we're gonna do and we're gonna do it until we know it won't work gotcha and i can honestly say up until this point and it i haven't proven that it doesn't work
0: right so right so let's go back to a ranko when you you won the state field uh do you remember the score you shot
1: um, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, I, I, do remember that I did submit it. So I have a copy of it.
0: Yeah. It has to be a percentage of some score to qualify for pro.
1: Yeah. I, I want to say it's f- within 5% of the, the, the top winning score.
0: Yeah. For that class. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. That was the year you, you submitted it. You went pro.
1: Yep, I, uh, I I made that decision, like I said, to set a goal. We we traveled all the way down to Aranco to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a particularly inhospitable time. Um, Windy. I
0: I have never shot Aranco, but people told me about you shooting Aranco, and they were like that was a hard fucking shoot.
1: It is. It is brutal. I, I love the lower course or the kind of the, the course that's in the trees. Um, it's, it's really a nice rolling Hills type setup. It's, it's really quite enjoyable, but they're at, at that particular shoot, they set up all the animals up on what they call the Hill. And as you can imagine in the greater LA area, um, it can get kind of hot around June timeframe, which is, I believe the, the timeframe that they're required to hold the, uh, outdoor field. Mm -hmm. And so we were up there on that Hill and hiking around and stuff like that. And, uh, we were, I want to say, maybe 14 targets into the animals when I, I burst a blood vessel in my nose and started bleeding. And, and I mean, it was a, it just a total ordeal. And uh, so literally I'm shooting at these animals, you know, trying to hit. Um, uh, I want to say that, that that was actually a year where they didn't have the bonus dots. Mm-hmm. So that helped uh-huh. in a way, obviously, because you can't get a 21 on if there isn't one available. On the animal round, mm-hmm. right, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was shooting, you know, with toilet paper shoved up a nostril and (laughs) just trying to make it work. And, uh, I was, I was really lucky actually to, to come out on top and, and as you said, you know, be able to post a score that, uh, when I finally submitted it, uh, they were able to approve it and say, okay, you know, yeah, uh, you can kind of hang. That's a good starting point. Let's, (laughs) let's move along. Let's do some, do some things here. But, uh. Yeah, it's been enjoyable. Um I I really have enjoyed actually the ability to I don't know, compete at a at a at a higher level. Um I, I, I can't say that I became a pro just to flaunt it.
0: Yeah, so here's the other thing that I noticed about you, Randall. And so we're getting into you know, we talk about there's people do it their way and I noticed when you got your pro card, it almost elevated or like You almost sped up as far as practice. You, like, increased the amount of arrows you were putting out. Because some people, they get a pro card or they win an event, and then they're just, like, time to chill for a little bit and just bathe in this awesome feeling. Yeah. But you were the exact opposite. Because I remember after you won state field, you were a fucker to shoot against for indoor. You know? You were a fucker to shoot against for outlaws you know
1: yeah um the word pro professional archer
0: yeah
1: um you know as as i you've covered this topic quite a bit and uh and i think it's pretty obvious to anybody who really pays attention to it is the fact that you have people who make a living off of archery Mm -hmm. you know um, then there's the other people that are the working man's archer, I think, or the working man's pro as I, th- I think, a nomenclature for a friend of ours. Uh-huh. Um, and I look at the word professional as ambassador.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Okay? Um, this sport, um, you know, and maybe it's just the fact that, you know, it, it basically led me to finding my wife, too. Um, I've always found this sport to be a all-inclusive type thing. uh mm-hmm. And usually, if you are in a group um, at a club level or something like that, and uh, you use the word "professional," people kind of, ooh, what's what's going on? Who's this person? That kind of stuff, and it and it creates interest. Well, yeah, you can either do the right thing and and become an ambassador to, you know, trying to further archery, making their experiences better, providing yeah. some insight that you may have or some help that they may require. Um, or you could do the opposite. You know, you can choose to be the guy that nobody ever wants to talk to again. You know, but I've I've never found that person to be very helpful. So right. I I made an, a choice to actually be more of a a, a ambassador to the sport. Um, I, I hope I'm doing good. Not that anybody's going to give me any uh-huh. uh, a grade on how well it's going, but I I think we're doing pretty well.
0: All right. Yeah, you're an ambassador but you're a fucking pro because you earned that pro card. You busted your ass. You shot the score. You qualified. I think, yeah, I I don't want weenies out there to hear that (laughs) and say, well, I'm an ambassador as well. Therefore, you know, I'm sponsored by gas bowstrings. So, therefore, you know, I'm, (laughs) you know, you know, it's different. I do understand what you're saying, though. You're saying like, with great respo- with great power comes great responsibility type thing. Don't shit on the the new guys.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. What I noticed when you got your pro card is that you were ramping it up, and I, if I were to project, it was you were going to prove to people this is no fluke, <laughs> you know, and that um, you didn't just get lucky you're not just a field archer you know and um i mean i remember when you started shooting 300s it wasn't like once in a while it was like you caught you hooked into 300s and it was like it was like wildfire you started shooting 300 dude the wall at (laughs) at pacifica archery has your name all over it
1: uh yeah it's funny you should bring that up we uh we actually looked at that the other day so uh We've been shooting an indoor league this year mm-hmm. and uh I've been able to I think we're 7 weeks into it and I think I've posted 5 300s. Yeah. In in indoor league this year and and they've all been fairly respectable and uh at one point uh management there was like, you know, we're just going to stop hanging these. <laughs> You know, because it was like, yeah, there are paper in the whole entire wall. We counted my name 16 times, you know. And really that what that is is that's an invitation to everybody else to come and shoot at Pacifica. You know, come shoot the league. Come shoot anything. You know, we, we welcome all, all newcomers. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, as
0: much as I don't respect management at that place, they have my name. They've let me put targets on mm-hmm. their wall. And I think that's... One, I'm extremely grateful that they hang my targets up there you know because i'm one an outsider i'm not a team shooter for them you know what i mean they could just crumple that shit up and throw it away
1: no yeah. you earned it they'll, they'll put it up there
0: well i and i think that is it respectable of them i think that's fucking cool and like you said it's like putting the challenge out there to other people like come get it you can you can be up here too
1: yeah absolutely i think that's the whole reason for hanging targets on a wall yeah you know,
0: um, we got your targets at West at uh, West Coast, don't we?
1: You do. You have uh, so last year um, for the AB Invitational. Uh huh. Um, I shot a, and I'm going to call it a ridiculous uh, qualifying score of a 298. God damn, which and 28X? Yeah, that would be a 28 <laughs> 28X 300 game. game. <laughs> and I was like. Whoa. You know, like, <laughs> I, I was totally surprised. Because even, even up until that point, because I wouldn't even consider that my high score at the time because it's it's a different game shooting at the the Baby 10. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, it was after that that I actually posted a 29x300 game <sighs> and uh, hung that up at the wall of Pacifica too God damn. But, uh...
0: <sighs> okay. So this is the part I want to get into where we start talking about rivalry. At the... um at the Bay Area Open, Rudy Sandoval had mentioned he goes, "Do you remember when you used to beef with Randall?" And I my response to him was, "No. <laughs> I've never beefed with you." And he goes, "No, you used to have like a real chip on your shoulder with Randall." And I told him like, "I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I've like Randall's never been anything but cordial to me, and I've never been anything cordial to you." And he brought up one time where I had I was like an asshole to you, like very publicly, like and I remember looking back on that now, and granted, I was 30 then, so I can't say like I was younger. <laughs> I can't say like I was young and irrational, but I was just threatened. I remember feeling threatened because you were so good, because I had, you know, I had my rise to be known, right, real fast, mm-hmm. and then before it, anything, before, you know, before I could even realize it, here you are, and putting down... Amazing, like good scores, and so I I remember, maybe I didn't admit it to myself at the time, but being like, I guess older now, <laughs> I guess wiser, like, frail maybe, um, I can admit to myself that oh uh, yeah, I was definitely threatened by this guy. I mean, I knew you, like we were friends, but I had never expected you to to rattle my cage, you know. And there you mm-hmm. were, and um. I can say that there's two people, right? Um, I mean, within reason, I, I'd say, you know, Mark Rubio always inspires us to shoot better, you know, or or shoot more. Absolutely. But there's two guys in particular that I think about when I practice or have inspired me to practice more, and it's been you and Caleb Kiyocho. Both of you guys have been guys that I have felt pressure from and, like, not wanted to lose, and have lost to you guys. Like it, It's been that feeling where it's like, man, it would be so... Because in my mind, I'm the good guy, and you guys are the bad guys, right?
1: <laughs> of course, of course, yeah.
0: Now, I I lost to Caleb the first time at the wilderness shoot, and people were like, yeah, Caleb! And I'm like, what the... I'm the fucking good guy, right? <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's kind of like a... I, I, I'm going to beeline my own beeline here. You know, like Japanese samurai movies sometimes they'll be from multiple storylines or or multiple points of view Mm -hmm. and that point of view is the good guy even though that's the bad guy in someone else's point of view so anyway um, I have had these moments standing on the line against you standing on the line against Caleb where I'm like okay this is my moment to fucking redeem it like this is going to be a fairy tale story where I come back and whoop this challenger, and then I fucking lose. I've lost to you. I've lost to to Caleb multiple times, and it's caused me to practice. It's it's one of the things lit lit in a fire under my ass. And then I I came to this realization the other day that I might not ever beat you guys again, but you guys have made me a better shooter overall, and I I think that's the real value in the rivalry, you know. Oh, absolutely. You know, even if I if I never beat you or Caleb again, or even get close, the fact that I don't want to lose to you guys, you guys are making me work. I'm going to be a better shooter than if you guys didn't, you know, or if you guys weren't a part of you know my environment, basically.
1: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Having having a a healthy rivalry, I think is absolutely crucial. Yeah. Um, cause everybody's got a target on their back, Yeah, you know, because you're, you're always going to pick out that guy and you're going to be like, I'm going to beat that guy that today. Guy. Yep. Like that's the guy, yep. right? He may not know it, yep. you know, whatever, but you're, you're always picking out a, a, a target or, or, you know, a goal. Yeah. And the goal may be a number, but the, guess what? That guy right there is the guy who shot it or will shoot it or could shoot it. Yeah. And uh, so having a rivalry like that, I mean, we both got on the scene at the exact same time. Yeah, you know, I, I could almost say it's sibling rivalry, mm-hmm. right? Because we're everybody's fighting for the limelight. Everybody wants to be the guy. Yeah. Um. But you know, it's it's basically yeah how it how it evolved. Um. You know, it it evolved to the point where we both were putting in the effort, putting in the work. I mean, you you had a time. Um, this was uh, I want to say pre yourself getting married and, and ultimately having uh, your, your daughter um, you were focused. Yeah, That was it. Like yeah. it was archery 24 seven mm-hmm. and uh, being able to put that kind of focus into something you can't help. I mean, if you're doing it right, you can't help but improve. Right. And so, I mean, that was the year you had your national title and on all that other stuff happen for you. And and at the same point in time, yeah, we're looking at that going, okay, well, guess what? Now that target's squarely on your back, buddy. <laughs> and uh, so we're, we're looking at you, you know, it's like, okay. All
0: right now it's you. Right?
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, back and forth, I, I I am a huge fan of indoor archery.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Um, just as I'm a huge fan of outdoor archery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people uh, find it boring or whatever. Oh, I don't want to shoot at twenty I love yards. It's like, too, man. come on, guys! Like there is, there is, take the bow out of it. Yeah. You know, take the arrows out of it. Yeah, you can screw those things up, but normally it doesn't matter. Um, it's you and that target. Yeah. And it's how you address that target, and then when you get into like competitive money shooting or, or indoor tournaments like that, now it's add the nerves back to it. Yeah. You know, and it's it's an absolute joy to figure out how far you can go before you choke. right? And then. (laughs) Yes. And it's like, okay, I've taken 15 (laughs) steps along this path today. Now we're going to tomorrow it's going to be 16. (laughs) And uh, and so, yeah, like we kept shooting against each other over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, one of one of the best stories, I think, to come out of that was in Wilderness. Um, you and I were in a shoot off and we walked down there to the uh, take a look at the targets and you turned to me and you said, you know, you know, how many times have we done this? Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, and you start thinking, getting all the nostalgic and stuff like that. And it's like, um, I actually went home to talk to Alinda after all that. And uh, that's when there was a shift in my paradigm of of who Wendell was. Okay. At, at every point up until that point, you were competition, right? And what do we do to competition? We, we try to beat competition, yeah. right? Until it becomes, wait a minute. If I keep beating myself, there will become a point where no one else can beat me either, mm-hmm. right? And it was less about trying to beat someone, than it was internalizing and saying, okay, now I'm going to beat myself and I'm going to get better and I'm going to get better and get better to the point where, yeah, if you're shooting 330X games every single time, like, all right, let's do this, yeah. right? And so, yeah, like it was a, a massive paradigm shift. And so it wasn't uh, a, a traditional rivalry like I have to beat this Wendell guy all the time. Now it's a, wow, you know, like we are, we are peers on the same path yeah. And, and I think it became a lot more tranquil and a lot more productive. Yeah.
0: yeah. So. Uh, I think I still ha- harbored some kind of hate for you until we. there was a time you beat me in Fresno. And I said the same thing to you then. And I said, oh, my God, dude, here we are again. We're shooting off again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember slapping you on the back. And I was thinking, when I slapped you on the back, that's when I had that shift. And I thought, holy shit, we're not competitors we are two guys running in the same direction like we're we just happen to see each other we're both you know the goal isn't to y- i mean you know it it changed it's not to beat this guy it's just to get somewhere like there's a place we're trying to get he's not stopping me from getting there i'm stopping me from getting there mm-hmm. and that's when i mean before that i, I mean you know, I, hated shooting. I still hate shooting against you. I I went from petty rivalry to respect earlier than that. But I still wanted, you know, it went from, I got to fucking beat Randall to, oh my god, now it's just just got to realize he's doing the same thing you are, you know, independent of you. It has nothing to do with you. It's, you know, getting yeah. get out of your own way kind yeah. of thing.
1: People become less of a hurdle. Yeah. You know, I don't have to jump over you i just you know i just have to
0: now do you think that's direction because we have become better shooters or do you think it's just because we've been shooting for so long that we start to realize this stuff
1: um i i think it was a i think it was an evolution of understanding where we where we were Mm -hmm. in in the whole course of it because you know um and and I, I think you've you've probably covered this this before too. Is when you start looking at archery and stuff like that, like when you first start buying equipment, like you buy everything. Well, you actually you don't. You buy you buy one thing and you realize it's the wrong thing, and then yeah. you go buy the next thing and it's not the right thing either. <laughs> yeah. And next thing you know, you got an archery bucket full, you know, arrow bucket full of all these ar- arrows you're never going to use again. You got drawers full of crap that you're never going to use. And, uh, you literally just, just spend your time, uh, trying to, to figure it out. And I I think my brain just skipped a beat because I was like, yeah, what am I, what am I trying to explain here for a second? But, uh, it was, you, you do all these things to, to try to improve your archery Mm -hmm. and you know what? It's gone. (laughs) its It's the train has derailed folks
0: (laughs) well i kind of i kind of get where you were going with it randall and you know we've been doing this for i mean i I think you've been shooting just a scotch longer than me but we've been competing about the same and it's just funny that we both have kind of come to this realization it's so funny that you know your story about realizing that oh shit like we're not Just competitors. If if I can if I can beat myself, then that's it. Like, or if I don't get in my own way, no one's Mm -hmm. beating me. Like, that's that is like pretty profound. That's (laughs) that's some black belt (laughs) shit. You know what I mean? Um, I'll be the first to admit that's far more black belt than myself. I think I'm still like purple belt because um, with if we're together on a ladder for a shoot off, the first word in my head is fuck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i know at the ab shoot i think my first match was against caleb and i was like fuck <laughs> yeah that—that that,
2: that's all or nothing right now folks yeah it he goes
0: so i don't know that was cool dude i just you know i've known you for so long dude i've shot against you for so long i've practiced alongside you our relationship's very unique you know um much more un—I'm not gonna say more unique, but it's unique relative to like my relationship with your other teammates. Like back when Rudy was your teammate, back when you know, old, you know, Jim, as up till recently was your teammate. Mm-hmm. My relationship with those guys totally different than the relationship I've I've had with you, and I really admire and respect you, even though it's it's different. You know what I mean? Like we've almost known each other as like. It's gonna sound so gay, intimate competitors. You know, uh, there's a less gay word out there. I just don't know it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I I, I feel like you are hey, quit touching my leg. Um, <laughs> I feel like I understand where you're coming from there. Um, it's yeah, like it's it's honesty, dude. Yeah, like you know, there's nothing to hide. Yeah, and uh, you and I have helped each other out. You know, yeah. you've asked me questions. I've I've responded. I've asked questions. You've responded, you know, and so it's, it's less, like I said, it's less about a competition between the two because if it was strictly about beating one another, you would know none of my secrets. Yeah. You would know none, none of my story. Yeah, And uh, that's just not the case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, beating you has been a lot of it for me. It <laughs> Just, just so we're very honest, since we're being honest here, um, But at some point, I have to let it go because it's just not going to happen. You know? And, uh, or that can't be my focus. You know what I mean? To get Mm -hmm. better, that can't be the focus. This is what's crazy is this is a very, like, stoner, like, line of thinking here, man. This is, like, the (laughs) philosophical part of archery that doesn't get discussed very much.
1: Oh, certainly. Um,. And just a point, I guess, that just popped into my head. Unfortunately, it's not the continuation of my previous thought, but <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's all right. The, the idea is, you know, if if you focus on someone, um, let's say I got eliminated from a shoot early, mm-hmm. then suddenly now I, as a driver, have have disappeared,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And so now you have to fall back on what's 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 the real game plan, yeah, right? Because if if they weren't here. What am I still here to do? Right. And that's when you realize okay, it really isn't about beating this person. It's about executing archery to the most perfect I can do every single time because that'll take me past the next person, the next person, and the next person.
0: So, dude, so like, I thought I was going to do way better at the AB shoot just coasting on like not practicing all that much. Thinking I was just I've shot enough arrows I can do it right mm-hmm. I kind of embarrassed myself and then I started putting a you know nose to the grindstone practice and then I thought Barry Open comes around if Dave Cousins isn't there Kevin Wilkie isn't there I'm gonna get up to that podium you know I'm gonna fight my way up to the podium didn't happen um, I did shoot much better though I, I shot really you know I was happy with how I shot I saw the improvement but this thing clicked in my mind where it's like, you know, if you're not going to win it, you know, like you're not going to go win. If you don't go win it, what are you going to do? Like, say you're going to practice or say you enter a tournament and someone tells you, I guarantee you will not win that next tournament. Even if you shoot the score, I will pull your name out of the hat and crumple it up and throw it away. Okay, well, what are you practicing for then? You know what I mean? It's the thing you just said. It's, I'm going to practice because I want to fucking... I want to shoot 30x games someday. Mm -hmm. You know? I want to know what that feels like. I want to do it in a shop or at a tournament. You know what I mean? It's one thing to do in the backyard, but... Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting is, think about how much effort, time, and... And, well, I guess effort, time, and, honestly, expense goes into that first 300 game. Yeah. You know, because you have to want that. Yeah. And the first one is the hardest. Yeah. Do you remember chaining
0: your first 30 together and then thinking, holy fuck, I got to do
1: this how many times? Uh, I want to say I can't quite go back that far <laughs> dude um because i i mean i was a, a really solid 290 295 shooter oh really for quite a quite a while oh i was not. <laughs> yeah it, it, i like i said i coming from more of a, a pistol and rifle and uh-huh. something like that like you know breath control and and shot process and stuff was things that my dad taught me mm-hmm. from infancy you know and so being able to take that into archery was was really helpful and so I I understand fundamentally how to execute a good shot. I didn't know what a good shot physically felt like. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like that, that, that's, that was the the big connection for me because then, then, like I said, 295, 296, 297 shows up, 298, Well, we're knocking at the door.
0: Or when you you shoot the 300 and then the next day is 298 Mm -hmm. or the next time out isn't a 300. And it's like, well, what the, what the fuck? Well,
1: yeah like my what's funny is is if you look at pacifica i have a 299 posted on the wall Mm -hmm. and i want to say that was the first 299 that i shot in competition and uh it was i want to say a a month or so before my actual first 300 Mm. and it was such a monumental thing it's like oh we got to get there got to get there we're so close knocking at this door but yeah, the first 300 fell and then another 300 fell. They weren't back to back, you right. know. Right. Right. Um, but now, you know, there is there's is a bit of an expectation, you know, once you, you yeah. you're able to pump out a c- a consistent number. I mean, I, I I still would probably rank myself as a 299 plus shooter, you know, because
0: Like 299.5, .7. Yeah,
1: yeah because I mean, you know, like uh, the Bay Area Open, this this you one did my, f- it. my first game was a 299. Mhm. And it was a 299 that should have been a 300. like I, I got last arrow a little bit of anxiety and, and punched it a, if I had to measure it a 30 second of an inch mm-hmm. out. And right. I was like, well, I earned that. That's yeah. me. I, yeah. I earned that arrow right there.
0: so but the second time around, you shot that 300.:
1: I did, I did. I, I was able to turn it around and, and
0: so did you punch not it. have the, the nerves on the last arrow? On your second qualifier?
1: No, I yeah it 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 was it was a uh, it was I I, I think on a lot of these shoots and I it's it's a trend that you'll see actually happen quite a bit is a lot of people show up to the first game and the first game is actually your most important because everybody's going to be better on the second game. They're they're more relaxed, they're warmed up, everything feels better. They mm-hmm. know how the bow's shooting. They're they're used to what they thought they were used to.
0: They're used to the lighting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Versus that first game, everything's fresh, everything's new. yeah and uh, so yeah, what was really important was was those 300 games because uh, Caleb shot a 300 and so did uh, Elliot
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, in the first game, which meant oh okay, now right this is on because yeah. everybody's gonna shoot better in the second game. Mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reason and I, I didn't really have an opportunity to talk to him about those games, um, because in addition, in addition to also competing at the Bay Area Open, I was kind of running the Bay yeah. Area Open, and uh, so there was a lot of other stuff that I wanted to make sure that kind of went off without a hitch as best I could, at least. And uh, so I didn't really have a lot of mingle time.
0: You know, I didn't talk to Elliot about his whatever miss he had. I knew he had shot the high, like the overall high score, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, that would just be a five ninety nine. High X count, basically. Yeah, forty
1: six X's, I believe.
0: Yeah, Um, I some someone was hounding Caleb about his nine. You know, they're like, "Oh, I want to hear the story. I want to hear the story," and he was just like, "Yeah, it just wasn't in. (laughs) Supposed to be here. It was over here." And you know, smart on him for not, you know, giving it so much, uh, too much attention. He just kind of brushed it off, you know. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, People dwell on the wrong things.
0: Yeah. Well, then, I mean, guys like you and. Caleb, people are expecting you to shoot 300s. So when you don't, it's kind of like a, ooh, like you're human. Like, I, I literally heard someone tell him, you're human. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up, right? Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know. He's going to come out swinging the next fucking game, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. No, he, he came out the, n- the next game and and did a, a whole lot better. I mean, his X count was, was way up there. I mean, ultimately, the top three... Seeds at the Bay Area Open were all five ninety nine. dollars Yep. Yep. So, you know, the, yeah. it was just a matter of X counts.
0: Yeah. So. It's, it was amazing. Um, Elliot Lee's been shooting really good. Everyone's been telling me that Elliot just fucking pounds, like, just all, all day long. You know what I mean? And so, all three of you guys were killers. And um, it was a good event. It was a really good event.
1: Well, I'm glad it went off uh, really well. Um, the Bay Area Open, you know, I mean, that's this was the seventh year that we've held that competition. Um, it wasn't held during COVID. That would have been 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, it was started as a as an opportunity for, and I, I think I've uh, said this before somewhere, but uh, it was a opportunity for like-minded individuals to come together and compete. Yeah. You know, and uh, kind of throw your hat in the ring, yeah, and see where you stack up. And uh, if I remember correctly, and uh, maybe Rudy would be the one to answer this, this but uh, I think it was one of the first, with the exception of Wilderness, because I think Wilderness's indoor shoot has been going on for a lot longer. Yeah. Um, because Todd was, was running that for many, many years. And, uh, but they the, never heard about it. You know, right. We're, Cause we're, we're in our too far away or into a different market, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so, yeah, we, we got this, this Bay area open going and then it was going to turn into a tour, which, uh, it, it really kind of still is, but there it's a little disjointed, you know, I mean, you still have the spot, um, archery in Fresno that, uh, hosts a shoot, uh, and then, uh, uh in Clovis hosts a shoot. Yep. Um, of course, there's, there's the AB Invitational, which obviously is an invitational. Yeah, um,
0: the, the the kickoff for all mm-hmm. of it.
1: Yeah, and so all these events, you know, have been really good about getting people out to compete against each other and and really sharpen each other. Because yeah. what's what's the goal to get down to uh, Las Vegas and and freaking knock it out of the park? Mm-hmm. So
0: yep, get to Vegas, don't shit your pants. So, okay, you at the going back to the Barry Open, you you qualified. Third, I like the new format. I, I had heard... You qualified second. I'm sorry. Qualified Ca- second. Cale- yeah. Caleb was uh, third. Elliot was first. Um, I like the new format. I had heard, like, going into it, that the shoot-up format had changed. And instead of the Lancaster-style shoot-up, it was going to be like a Vegas shoot-off. And I was like, whatever. Like, cool. I was super stoked to see that it was actually... A lucky dog shoot off mm-hmm. to start tenth place. Back to the shoot up. The shoot up is my most favorite indoor format. And someone asked me why, and I said it's because if I can shoot good enough in the preliminaries, I know I'm getting paid. <laughs> right, and, and there is there is definitely
1: a lot of uh, comfort, yeah. right? in knowing that if you've if you've seated high, there's only so much damage that guy next to you can do. <laughs> yeah, um, unfortunately,
0: the guy underneath me fucking. But raped me right out of the fucking shoot. well,
1: good thing was a friend of yours. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yippee. <laughs> but uh, no, the the uh, we we were looking, and I say we, this is the royal we. But uh, we were looking for ways to change the format up to make it a little bit More less th- arduous.
0: Yeah, time efficient because the yeah. the shoot up the way this has been conventionally done starts at last place, like the last two places, and those people get to shoot up and see if they can change it. And it goes on for hours. It's like a three hour, two hour.
1: Yeah, I think I, th- I want to say it was it was probably closer. You had a four, if not five hours. <laughs> yeah. By the time, because oh, there's been plenty of times I, I uh, he who shall not be named, I think fell asleep at one of these shoots, <laughs> waiting for his opportunity to shoot. Um, that's that's you, Emerson. If you're ever out there,
0: um, he doesn't listen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> But yeah, like it was it was just a such a painful experience. And so, you know, there's so many aspects of archery that unless you either compete at a super high level or that they introduce them into shoots like this, you don't get to experience. Yeah. And so this I wanna say three or three years ago, two years ago now is uh I had the opportunity, I I shot a 300 in Vegas, Mm -hmm. and I was able to compete in the uh, 10K a day Mm shoot-off, which is styled very similar to the Lucky Dog. Yes. And so, yeah, you literally shoot up, put an arrow in that target, and, you know, like it starts as a big 10, and from there it goes immediately inside out. Yeah. Right? And you're just like, okay, you know, that that was your warm-up shot. If you didn't hit the 10, well, you didn't go home yeah. see you tomorrow but uh, I wanted people to be able to experience something like that and especially because I wanted to reward them I said you know what we're gonna we're gonna stop the upper ladder the top top tiers and we're gonna leave a spot for the lucky dog winner to get paid and uh, this year in particular uh, Bella otter um, she traveled up from the Central coast area came to compete with us um, shot pretty well um through the uh qualification rounds and then uh she was the lucky dog the lucky at the end dog. of the, at the end of the shoot up and uh you know she she was uh uh not really able to change much in the sh- in the shoot up ladder but uh afterwards she came over to thank me um because of course they had a long drive i'm assuming that, uh, they had to get going but uh, she came over to thank me for the whole experience she said this was her first money shoot wow and how how exciting it had been and she was i mean just nothing but smiles yeah and uh and that's really what makes it worth it right yeah. is, is watching somebody understand that you know you you pay a hundred dollar entry fee normally for any one of these money shoots and i guarantee you that is the cheapest lesson you will ever buy yeah because you are in there all day long in a pressure cooker yeah. with peers people that are shooting above you, people are shooting below you, you get to see all yeah. all of it and you can take home what you want but you may see something that's like hey, I'm going to try that. I want to do this. I talked to so and so and they said this and
0: it's the cheapest it's awesome. upgrade that you can mm-hmm. get yourself. Um that lady, what was her name? Bella? Uh, Bella. Um was it who shot after her uh, chin that lady put on a clinic
1: yeah she's she's been doing really well
0: she she knocked out like what three people
1: oh uh, I want yeah she went from well so she she was able to win her match to defend her position and then she took out one extra person past that, which was the eighth place, uh-huh. for her to actually take eighth and jump up a spot. Um, so she really had to beat two people to be able to do that,
0: uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: which which was really impressive to see.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't ex- I mean I don't know her, I so I didn't expect much from her, but she shot fucking good, and so that's what that's what caught my eyes. She didn't get knocked out right away. I was like, damn.
1: No, she's a very focused person. I uh I was actually able to help her out. She she had some goals for uh, improving some draw weight and stuff like that to be able to uh help with uh you know the ballistics of the arrows uh-huh. and, or the the bow and how it was operating and, and so I actually had some old Invicta limbs. Oh, cool. And uh was able to help her out with that. So uh no she's <laughs> definitely putting the effort in
0: she's like i need help and you put uh 60 ounces of weight on the table and you're like here you go
1: <laughs> <laughs> where do we staple this <laughs>
0: so <clears throat> okay fast forward um let's go to uh let's see in my brain here Caleb knocks out allen mm-hmm. in their, their shoot-off. um it like it was in uh three ends right we're doing three-end yeah, shoot Yeah, we we're offs. doing three ends. So he knocks Alan out, I think, by two points. Knocks Alan out by two or three points. Um, and then you're on deck, correct? Yes, sir. So how did that – How did that? Uh, did you have an oh-fuck moment, or were you just like, let's do this?
1: No, I I, th- I think at that point I was was more business. Um, you know, Cal- Caleb and I have a, a very fun – relationship as far as you know because he, he and I have shot off against each other um, Caleb you'd have to remind me what the score is now it's probably 2-1 or something like that or 2-2 um, but uh, yeah he we've shot off against each other in a couple of different things we shot off in at the Fresno Safari at the uh, at the elephant yeah and, oh boys there's a story about that
0: um, you want to beeline it?
1: Uh, yeah, let, let's let's just cover this because anybody who was there who saw it was like, "What are these? What are these guys shooting at?" Uh huh. Because you know, I I let one rip. Um, I'm I'm aimed center of the dot. Right. And it hits twelve inches at two o'clock.
0: Yeah, because there's a heavy wind. Uh, you're shooting on a hill, down.
1: Mm-hmm. 101 yards. 101
0: yards. Downhill.
1: And to be 100% honest, I did not see indications of all that much wind. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, that may be just me completely misreading it but the the arrow did not land behind the pin um and i was just like well i i have thrown that one out folks and uh lo and behold he puts one uh just a little bit farther out than mine and i was just like well i okay cool you know this this is a this is this is archery any given given sunday i suppose but uh yeah like people there was a couple of people who were like what were you guys shooting at like the dots over there and i was like well thank you for rubbing that in but, uh, no, we, we've had a good time about it. I like it.
0: how you, he shoots one just a little further out, and you handle it very classily, dude.
1: <laughs> well, it, you know, I mean... Dude,
0: dude, if I were in your shoes, I'd be like a, a black guy on the Maury show, when they says, you're not the father. I'm like, yeah! I'd be jumping around like, yeah! <laughs> throwing people high fives and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm classless loser, at the, or a winner at this point.
1: <laughs>
0: so, go on. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, so uh, I was over there shooting at the practice bale, and if anybody was watching my arrows at the practice bale, like, like they they'd be middle, middle, and then I, I think I shot one like you know, edge of the nine at like, you know, I want to say maybe eleven o'clock or something like that, you know, and um, I wasn't paying any attention to it though, Uh uh-huh. which which I I'm I'm not gonna say I know why. But uh, you know, I was just kind of getting some reps in. I really, I was almost treating it like a blank mail, where I just wasn't yeah as interested in Not where that a arrow ton, was going.
0: Ton of pressure on yourself
1: to- because I, I was trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to do this, right? Because you know, this is something like, what, what am I going to do here? Because I I don't know if just a straight up you know slugfest with Caleb is going to work right then. And so I decided that we were going to shoot some aggressive archery. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if, if you guys, and I think there's a couple of short snippet videos, um, in particular, I think there's one where Caleb's taking his third shot and I'm already bows on the ground. I'm looking through the binoculars. Uh-huh. Um, I, I shot every single end, um, in under 50 seconds. Yeah. Um, I, I took the bow, I aimed the bow, I put that arrow in there and I just moved on. hmm and I was lucky enough that uh, through qualifications, I mean the bow was shooting exactly where I wanted to shoot it, um, beside beside that one little little uh, hiccup, and uh, I just decided, yeah, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna push, and I think ultimately when it really came down to it, um, I mean Caleb and Caleb was such a fantastic shot mm-hmm. that he had the self control. Um, on his last end, that he was able to let the bow down a couple of times. I saw. You know, because he realized that I was pushing him. You yeah. Know? And I think it was making him uncomfortable, which, let's be honest, that was the game.
0: He normally shoots really quick. Like, he gets up and, and fires off three, like, real fast. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that totally makes sense to me
1: yeah and so he he let down and uh, and ultimately yeah it ended up a 90 90 tie through three ends mm-hmm. and uh, came down to a one arrow shoot off, which uh not unlike the the one that I think you and uh Alan? it was you and allen right yeah. yeah where it was you know it was basically a game of millimeters if if not less uh-huh and uh, so yeah, I was lucky enough to to advance and I said, ah, what the hell?" it worked once let's do it twice and uh so i, I pulled the same thing with elliot mm-hmm. and uh i was able to put enough pressure on it because i know elliot you know so elliot is a i I've, i can't remember if it's a sole proprietorship now or if it's it is with a partner uh-huh but he owns palomo archery right and uh so that's what he does he does archery for a living folks yeah, and uh, so I fully expect you know that he's practicing twenty four seven. And so I I had to make a decision of how are we going to run this game and and like I just said if it if it worked once, mm-hmm. and we're confident we're going to do it again, and uh, I was lucky enough.
0: It's almost like taking the lead out again, taking the lead on a dance. Almost, it's kind of like mm-hmm. you dictate the pace.
1: Certainly, and and it puts the pressure on, and it only works if you're hitting what you're aiming at.
0: Yep. Yeah, right. Of and, course,
1: and I was lucky enough that, like I said, I had enough confidence in the bow, the shot, the execution. You have to be running. They were they were hitting shot, middle middle, yeah. So
0: nice, nice, and then and then in the end of the day, you ended up, you ended up getting Elliot.
1: I did. I I, I think, um, and this is for his him to tell his own story, but uh, I think the pressure uh, kind of got to him, and I, I think there was a couple of points that got dropped.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, but how fucking cool is that I mean I love Elliot too but to see you win it pretty goddamn cool
1: yeah I it's it's given me a little bit of goosebumps right now because mm-hmm. I I like to think I'm a controlled person mm-hmm. and so even during all those shoots you know it's like yeah just let's let's just put that off to the side let's compartmentalize this this is exciting but let's just deal with that later and so uh we shot the shoot, we finished the shoot. I'd won. And it started to dawn on me. It's like, "Oh, it's it's over. Like there's no more arrows to be shot." Mm-hmm. And uh that's when the adrenaline dump hit. <laughs> and uh things got a little jittery. <laughs> some incoherent sentences may have been uttered. Like, yeah, there was some Was this was, was this
0: stuff. after like when you're doling out checks or what? Uh, was it, it after that?
1: It it was it was in the beginnings when I yeah. when I was starting to hand out the uh, the certificates for everybody and You're stuff like, like holy that. Holy shit! And, and then yeah, as I was kind of wrapping things up and putting things away, started getting a little little shaky, a little stuff like that. Cause <laughs> I was like, okay, now we can deal with the adrenaline. <laughs> so,
0: well, you know, you 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 have a resume for for indoor shoots, you know. Either being podium or winning them, especially like the,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I like how you called it a tour, but that's totally what it is. They, a lot of us can be seen shooting, a lot of these shoots along California, you know, up here at Fresno, Sacramento. I mean, yeah. I, I would go further north if we had them, you know.
1: I, I actually I mean I'm not going to say that uh, it happened. I had a inkling mm-hmm. of a thought. Um, because you know, there's quite a few indoor shoots. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I I caught some of a previous episode of yours that you were talking about uh, some indoor shoots with that Nick was doing with the uh, 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 Greater Oregon area yeah. and stuff like that. You know, and it's like, yeah, there there is way more talent that we could expose ourselves to. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have to find a way to get there. Yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, that's that's of course the downside is you know the economics of. Of course, you can you can drive all you want up to Washington or Oregon, but you know you six hundred bucks isn't going to even pay for the gas for the truck, right? You know? Right, so. of
0: course. Yeah, you know it's a, one of the things I was. I mean, talking to Nick and you know you you hear about the uh, the talent pool in other states and and how other guys are shooting. Um, I was actually pretty stoked about how things are going in California. You're starting to see guys like. Elliot, um, in addition to guys like Caleb and guys like Pietro, are, I mean, their practice scores are right there. Mm-hmm. It's only a matter of time before their competitive scores are going to be there as well. You oh, know? absolutely. I mean, Elliot's already. You know, Elliot's competitive scores already there. I mean, guy you know, Pietro, some of the Predators guys that are coming up, they're literally right there. You know, I, I know you. Shot outlaws with Johan, and we'll give you all the credit, but his game has improved a lot, right? His archery game has improved a lot.
1: Yeah, we've we've pushed ourselves quite a bit.
0: So, I, I mean, it it's pretty cool, like um, to see the level of competition go up because it when we were getting into it, like in the early like our early days. I mean, I I, I don't want to say early days because, you know the, the Expendables will be like, you guys don't know what the fuck the early days were, <laughs> but for our early days it was kind of like the Montana guys were like, the indoor beasts, you know, yeah, and the people the, who had to do it, yeah, exactly, and and now it's like, it, it's kind of changed. It's like the Washington guys, Oregon guys, Idaho guys, those are the beasts, and. You know, you see their talent pool. We know about Bodie. We know about Blake and and Nick, you know. And we're starting to cultivate, like, these guys down here now. And it's it's almost like an organic thing, you know. It just mm-hmm. takes a handful of talent to, to kind of push it forward. And I think if not this year, next year we'll have guys, when this tour kicks off, a lot more 300s, you know.
1: yeah no i I expect it absolutely in fact it's it's it is an expectation yeah. it is it is an expectation that you know as people evolve and as as competition arises as people you know kind of hold people in esteem you know like hey, I, w- I want to be like you know that guy or that mm-hmm.
0: guy um dude I bought this kuyu jacket because Rubio had it where the fuck you- well I'll show you later
1: but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah as, as people try to emulate things and, and I mean that's how we evolve and and I think what people are seeing and and like I, like I've said I think in this this same podcast is we you have to shoot indoors yeah you have to yeah because by the time you come out the other end of the shoot you are going to be polished yes you may not be done but you are polished yeah and you'll go ripping through outdoors. Only to go right back into the polisher, yeah. you know and uh, as long as you're able to stare at yourself with an honest you know stare in your, stare at yourself in a mirror, if you're able to do that and give yourself an honest uh, evaluation of of what who you, you are d- and what you're doing yeah then and where uh, you stand exactly you will get better yeah and uh, it will just make everybody else around you better
0: I used to say the same thing dude that fucking indoors like just sets you up to be a badass outdoor shooter. Mm-hmm. You know it's so funny that standing and shooting 20 yards with a fat arrow all day can make you a badass long distance shooter as well you know absolutely uh, I love it man. Uh, so let's see I wanted to tell uh your wife had texted oh cool she wants to know if you're <laughs> if you're okay you're and still I'm alive honey I'm not kidnapping you here um I wanted to get into your gear rundown. Are you, are you good on time? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Okay. There might be a point at which I have to turn this off and switch batteries out and we can pick it back up. I can just edit. I can edit this part of the conversation out as well. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to get into your, uh, your bow and your gear rundown. You're a Hoyt guy. You've been shooting a Hoyt since I've known you. There was a moment you almost shot a prime, which would have been so cool. As much as I also hate primes. It's like seeing an alternate Randall, you know what I mean? Or bizarro Randall. <laughs> hmm You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I like I said, I, I bought the carbon carbon matrix. Um, I've been through I don't know, I don't know how yeah, all those different target bows and I will be honest that it all started on statistics. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you see the breakdown of who was winning what Yes, they were all winning it with a Hoyt. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, okay, you know, if I'm nothing but a numbers guy, yeah. I have a fifty-five percent chance of of actually doing something productive if I have a Hoyt in my hand."
0: Did the podium not have the biggest run as uh, of wins?
1: Um, I would have to look. I, I I never actually broke it down by diff- specific models, mm-hmm. but uh, I did look at total wins, yeah. um, you know, between all the major manufacturers. Yeah. And I mean, it was pretty lopsided.
0: Yeah. Hoyt.
1: But, uh, you know, I mean, Matthews has made big steps mm-hmm. um, and definitely in the last couple of years. I mean, and it, it's definitely, I'm not going to say my eye doesn't wander. Yeah. You know, because you're always interested in what's out there and what's available. Yeah. Um, but I've always had a sinking suspicion that a Hoyt is made for me uh-huh. because it, it fits my hand Um, even the Stratos, even, even the Stratos, I mean, the, the Stratos, I would say has been one of my most productive bows and yeah, like, and that's, that's the thing is like, that's what I'm saying. It was made for me and no one else. Like (laughs) Hoyt went, Hey Randall, here's your bow. Um, (laughs) no one else is going to like this thing. Everyone else is going to hate this, you know, because I, I still shoot it with the HPT cam, you know, all stuff like that. I mean, if you look at. Most of the uh, the world archery guys that are shooting them, they're all shooting them with the SVX cam on them.
0: Did you run into the cam issue with the Stratos where it would rub the cable? And if so, did you fix it yourself, or did they fix it?
1: So that is that is a a great question, um, and I'm gonna it's gonna take me a while to answer that, and the reason being is because it also what I also love about Hoyt is the community. Okay, mm-hmm. 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 so yes, I I had the same issue that was identified. You know, basically I was shooting the bow and I was getting some some uh, 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 serving wear. Yeah, and uh, ultimately yeah, it broke broke through broke the serving. Um, thankfully, I'm able to do those kind of repairs and fix things like that myself. Right, for
0: anyone out there that's wondering, Randall builds strings. Is a badass string builder.
1: And and so yeah, I was able to make the repairs and, and keep things going. But of course, yeah, I was concerned, just like everybody else was, right? Like, uh-huh. oh my gosh, what's going on here? Because you know the uh, the Stratos was uh, was Hoyt's not first, because there are previous examples from years ago, but uh, it's their most most recent advancement with uh, like a binary cam system. Binary cam, yeah, yeah. And so I had to try it. Uh-huh. You know, and, uh, so I was like, okay, we're not, just cause I'm seeing this where I got to figure this out. And so I started reaching out to everybody that I could communicate with. That was, you know, there's, there's the Hoyt rep, our, our local Hoyt rep, fantastic resource for things. Yeah. George. Um, you know, if you send him an email, he'll, he'll try to get back to you if he's able to. He's a cool guy. Um, but he, yeah, he was completely helpful because I was, I was rather concerned and, uh. And so he's like, Well, I need information. You know, he's like, Yeah, I, I understand you have a problem, but what is the problem? And yeah. I was like, Holy crap. right? This, and this is, this is one of those things I, I believe about Hoyt. Hoyt is an engineering company mm-hmm. that happens to make bows. Okay. Every one of those guys, and, and in my, the Killpack extended family, we have jokes about engineering brains. Mm-hmm. Okay. They may be the most socially retarded people you'll ever meet. Yeah. Um, but at the same point in time, they are very analytical and can describe a, pr- a problem down to a T. And so I started looking at it. Okay, where was it on the string? How wide was the string at that point? Where was it rubbing inside the cam, et cetera, and so forth. And I took all this data, I put it together, but then I also reached out to other people that I knew at the time were having uh, or shooting stratoses or potentially having issues, right? Uh, Rudy... Uh-huh. You know his his access through Wilder. Uh, I'm sorry, um, West Coast West Coast Archery. You know they were they were experiencing some things, and uh, then I also reached out to Heather, uh-huh. and uh, so Heather was actually. This was so nice of her. She actually reached back out to me with a string of videos that she recorded. Of how she corrected a similar issue with her cam. Um, there was a there was a breakover that, uh, in in somebody's opinion, my own included, um, was a little bit too sharp. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was like they didn't quite deburr the edge, and so it was rather sharp and it was cutting servings. And so we we basically buffed that down. I I think I used like thousand grit sandpaper, uh-huh. and was able to buff down take the edge off and uh, that was really what did it and solved 99 percent of that problem and uh then i believe um uh we we had some access i I think they actually in a second production run um they actually changed their their cnc code now this this is randall's understanding of the issue um Uh not necessarily you know something that they're going to stand by but uh because when you look at it the second production run, which I got a set of cams to replace them with, um, were were much softer along uh-huh. that area. And uh, I have, have not really had a problem since, but that was with the number one cam, and as I was evolving with the Stratos, I actually one day woke up and said, I'm adding almost an inch to my draw length today. Mm. And holy game changer. Okay? So... I jumped to the number two, and, and the number two has never exhibited the same kind of uh, right. string abrasion. i noticed that.
0: So. It was really the number one cam was the only one that was it really was. getting that. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. So let me see. Unfortunately, you're a Hoyt guy. You're also Eastern Easton guy.
1: <laughs> I am everything that is wrong with the world. <laughs> it's okay.
0: <laughs> it's okay. Someday we'll get... Matthews on you or something. Hey, you wanna let's do an April Fool's joke and like let's both switch to Dartons for like a couple of days. All right.
1: <laughs> like, I just playing. Fuck these bows. <laughs> no, I we I went to the West Coast uh, customer appreciation day. Uh uh-huh. I, I was actually able to uh shoot Allen's bow. Uh huh. And I I'm not gonna say that I was disappointed in any way. I mean the bow felt great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Title feels a lot like a podium in my my opinion. Yeah. Or, or um maybe a Prevail. Uh, the cam profile feels like a podium. The the riser feels a lot like a Prevail. Or at least mine does cuz I got the 36.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I I you know, I I've, I've, I've looked at it a couple of different things, but yeah, like I said, it just it fits me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you shoot them well. The, there's no you know arguing with that. Um what is your arrow build for indoors
1: Um you know I used to be the 300 grain tip yes. guy you know and I, I used to shoot uh, carbon shafts of whatever manufacturer they were uh-huh. Um obviously I'm I'm a really big fan of aluminum aluminum you're only going to get them from Easton anyway
0: Did you shoot Super Drives last year
1: I did I shoot shot Superdrive 27s last year
0: and this year you're shooting the 2712.
1: Uh, yeah, I went I went back to my uh, my they're actually I want to say that it's the second half of a dozen that I bought 7 years ago. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're not the cool anodized black ones. They're just yeah. completely they're not the special edition ones either, but I um, like
0: those. The gold one, the gold right. ends. Yeah, those are sick too.
1: But uh, no, I had I had six left over from there, so I, I cut them down almost identical to what my carbon uh, super drives were, and I I I forget exactly what the measurement was off the back of my
0: what did what um did you determine the length to be like or like what was the thing that drove you to cut it to that length?
1: I've I've tried super long arrows, mm-hmm. um, and I don't like the whole leverage over the blade. Okay. Um. You know any any vigorous movements with your hand or, or something like that. You know the inertia of the of the arrow. Um, you're you're gonna actually compress the blade mm-hmm. um, because I also set up my handski because I shoot a handski rest. Mm-hmm. I shoot up my handski a very specific way. Um, you can actually overcome the the spring tension that's holding the blade up if you if you
0: do a fat you, bobble.
1: Yeah, if you really aggressively you know try to you know massage the arrow up into the spot or something like that Uh uh-huh and uh so i really didn't like the ability that i had to to cause that you know wide difference in in impact versus where i thought it was going to go and so i i cut them down usually about an inch give or take right in front of the uh the blade
3: Uh Uh uh-huh
1: and then uh yeah i I, i've become a big fan of wraps Uh uh-huh it's always a pain in the butt to get uh, veins to stick to an aluminum arrow usually. Right. Anyway, this and way you so, don't
0: have to you don't have to scour them or, or do any weird prep stuff to the surface.
1: Nope, you just uh, yeah, pick a color, wrap it. Um, I'm I happen to be using Fletch Fleck Flex Fletch, I believe they're three sixties. Yeah,
0: I and have some. Uh, I have some over there on my gold tips as well. I'm also a fan of those. Yeah,
1: I and and I do a. I want to say like a five degree hard helical hard helical um, and
0: uh, are you going left helical on yours?
1: I want to say to the right
0: yeah, right heli- I remember looking mm-hmm. at it thinking like is this the way your arrows spin and you're like, I don't think it matters
1: yeah we we had that conversation you know mm-hmm. about throwing arrows out there and i I honestly have the opinion that by the time you have drawn that arrow back and you are about to send it on its merry way, you know there is a resistance because the the arrow cannot rotate while it's still on the string. Right. Right. So it's being held in a stationary position, and it will only start to rotate once it's off off the string. Yeah. And so you've already preloaded the veins because they're now moving at the speed of the bowstring, right? You've yeah. preloaded those veins with air resistance. Okay. Which means when they come flying off that string, I don't care if you fletch them left or right; they're going the direction that those fletches gonna are fletched. Uh-huh. Period. You know, and with the perfection that an eastern aluminum arrow is, I mean, they're outrageously straight. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see any difference. Left never have right. seen any difference, and so it's like, yeah, just lick it, stick it, and go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what point weight are you running on your twenty-seven twelves?
1: Um, I actually have gone down to 225 grains. 225, yeah. Yep, I was at, uh, these original arrows were set up at 300, and then uh, I took them all the way to 250, and then uh, I was noticing that I was getting some, some right impacts that I really, really wasn't expecting, mm-hmm. Couldn't, hadn't quite figured it out yet. And so in an attempt to manipulate the impact of the arrow by, by massaging the spine and Let's face it, with a 2712 arrow, I don't care what manufacturer, there's really not a lot you can do with spine. Right. Especially if you're not, you know, 34 inches of draw or whatever it is. Um, but uh, by putting 225 grains in there... Um,
0: you could change your impact point. Yeah, I
1: have, I have seen a lot less
0: yeah. errors to the right. See, I also... I don't think the spine changes, but the arrow reacts like the spine is changed. So, I mean, fuck, maybe it is.
1: More of a dynamic spine versus... Static spine measurement-type how it reacts.
0: It definitely could be. You know, on uh, Archer's Advantage, it says if you move your arrow rest overdraw forward or back, it changes (laughs) the spine rating of your arrow. Mm -hmm. And it, for sure, is not changing the the spine of your arrow. It's changing the way it's reacting. Certainly. So, dude, that's interesting. Broadwire shoots 225s. Mm -hmm. At least he did back when I was trying to copy his arrow build.
1: (laughs) <laughs> I yeah they they they've worked really well. This is this has been a pretty successful year. I mean ever since you started that uh, unfiltered practice forum and stuff like that, I've just
0: you're doing I, really good on yeah, it. Yeah, I shoot
1: games. I'll I'll post them. I don't you know I I'll post good ones. I'll post bad ones. Yeah, you know uh, things I like mean I haven't seen very. I have bad my
0: ones. own thing that I do because my mental game is inherently weaker than most. Like. I'll be the first to admit, my, my mental game is, is not strong. It, Rubio's got a joke that he lives in my head rent-free, right? <laughs> like, he it doesn't take much mm-hmm. for him to say something and then just watch me start, like, you know, I just mm-hmm. overthink shit way too fucking much. And it's, you know, part of it, it's because I know, like I told you, it's like I had that, that like, you were like a focus. I want to beat Randall, right? Mm-hmm. I know that's the incorrect way to go about it. I, I know, it, in, and it's, it's that is one of the indicators of a weak mental game. I think, or that kind of that kind of thinking. I have to beat this guy, or right? I can't lose to Caleb. You know what I mean? Or that kind of shit is is indicators of weak mental game, especially in the sport of you versus you, right? And so that's why I I take all these precautions to not like. Fuck with my own mental game, because it's so goddamn fragile. <laughs> so if you can post them, by all means, fucking post them because that's what the group is there for. I'm trying to create this thing for guys to be like, "Hey, look what I'm doing." And that just doing that, getting to getting to show what you did is um, kind of motivation to go out and practice more. you know, motivation to get up and go yeah. do more.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean I, I've taken it as such, and I also try to share a story. Yeah, a lot of my posts on there have been a little bit longer. Uh huh. um, Just because I'll be like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. This Mm -hmm. is what was this? This, Why did that happen? You know? Yeah,
0: you do like some problem solving sometimes Mm -hmm. on your posts. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so it's like things I've learned, and maybe somebody can learn from it. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, that's cool too. I I do like that about it. You know, I I did want to use this as like a resource for people helping each other as well. You know. Granted, I haven't helped anybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you can't help us all, but uh, you know, we're, at some point, we're going to help each other. So,
0: so let me ask Randall. After you, oh, well for indoor, did you paper tune your bow? Like, what was your tuning process? As far as I know, it's not the end all be all for you. Mm-hmm. You know, but did you start with a paper tune? Did you start with a bear shaft? What?
1: Yeah, I I don't touch bear shafts. Um, fair indoors. Um, I'll, I'll pay per tune maybe at like a three, maybe five yards, something like that. That tells me that the arrow's flying pretty consistently. Uh huh. And, uh, from there I will, I will just go start shooting games. And if I start seeing trends, um, then I will start biasing things, you uh-huh. know, like for example, I, I saw the thing with the, the right hand impacts. A lot of things were, you know, half shaft 10, at 3 o'clock mm-hmm. or, you know, God forbid, a little bit farther out than that. And uh, I was like, okay, well, let's take an honest moment. Okay, was that you? Did you bobble out the side like that? Right. Did it break there? And yeah. uh, what, I, what I started noticing and uh, is by being able to dissect a shot like that, you know, and, and start looking at it and replaying it in your mind. Um, th- I did start noticing things that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to correct those to the point where, yeah, now I, I haven't put a whole lot of tune into it other than the absolute basic stuff.
0: Yeah. What about, you know, earlier you said you, the tuning you do, you adjust for feel. Are you doing stuff like, I, I mean, does that mean you group tune your arrow rest or is this like you move your D loop up and down? peep height up and down what are you doing for feel is this bar angle related
1: uh so i still tie my d loop the same way we all learned when dave cousins came and did his seminar uh-huh um clove, I,
0: half hitch clove
1: hitch yeah I, I use the same knot he does because yeah man, why, why the heck not right but um i also move it to a fixed point from the burger holes mm-hmm. um and so I will line it up.
0: I also set my bows up from that seminar the same way.
1: Oh, absolutely! It gives you a repeatable measurement. Yeah. That is on a fixed point of your bow that cannot move. Yeah. I mean, it was it was an epiphany when I heard it. Yeah. And I said, okay. And so yeah, I go to quarter inch above f- flat level. And uh, I I've well, this was a hard fought lesson that I learned in uh, Fresno. Last year, um, I had my center serving break, Mm -hmm. and what it was caused by is some uh, wear and some pinch that my D loop was causing with the knock to come up and actually cut into the serving center serving on my string, and so now I put uh, uh, little uh, tie on knocks above and below. Uh huh. Um, I, I. it'd be hard to describe i use the uh knock and knock and peep tying thread mm-hmm. from bcy yeah and uh so it's got a, you know pretty ample little piece above it and and a, definitely a little an ample piece below it
0: do you keep the bulk of the knots on the bottom under mm-hmm. or do you go okay yeah
1: yeah it, it's most most of the stuff still still below it um but there's definitely some stuff on top of it to, to protect
0: keep from that pinch from yeah. happening
1: yeah And, uh, cause yeah, that was a, that was a whole ordeal, (laughs) but, uh, I, I tie it in like that. I, I've, I've, I've played with my D loop back and forth and stuff like that right now. I'm at, I don't want to say, I think it's seven eighths of an inch, um, for my D loop. And then, uh, I think mine is also,
0: that's really odd. Mm -hmm.
1: And, uh, then I, I set my draw length and, uh the The epiphany for my draw length, and like I said, this this came uh, partway through the outdoor season um, when I made the change, and then uh, it's it's just yielded nothing but dividends for feel. Is I was listening to one of the Eastern technical podcasts when uh, uh, the big cat was talking about draw and how you can get yourself into a position where you think you are fully extended uh-huh. and everything's all locked up, you know, and you've got the bone-on-bone, you know, solid structure and stuff like that. But in reality, you're too short. And uh, what you're really doing is locking things up in a way that it feels like it's solid, but it isn't. Oh. And it's kind of a false positive. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, what does a, what does a true negative feel like? Yeah, you you basically get the sensation that everything is is locked up and solid, when in reality, it isn't. And the only way I could find to qualify that was to say, okay, what does a true negative feel like, right? What is really too long? I I know I'm not a 30-inch draw length, right? Uh And so I got a set of number two cams. Tried all this stuff out on the bow, and uh, I was like, okay, that is definitely, like, I can't even execute a, a nice back tension shot because there's just nothing left. Uh-huh. And so I, I brought it back, and uh, what I realized is at 29, I want to say 29 and a half, give or take, uh, a little bit here and there, um, I was actually able to come in with a very solid shot line up right on the chin like like I've always wanted to mm-hmm. and uh, it's a very comfortable repeatable shot and I was like huh I wonder okay because if, if if everybody remembers like I, my, the first bow I ever got fitted for they had me at 27 and three quarters of an inch of draw
2: Yeah,
1: and I was like that's a big difference to 29 and a half right and I know I'm not getting I'm not growing anymore at least not in any appreciable way and uh, I was like, okay, this is this is going to change some stuff. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I didn't have to re redo uh, spine of arrows or stuff like that. Um, I guess uh, like it, it bears mentioning that I shoot at sixty five pounds of draw.
0: God damn!
1: And and I, it's because I like I like that thing to zip, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And uh, so I'm I'm shooting a, a three. A 380 right now uh-huh. uh, East the X10 pro tour and uh, I did not have to replace the arrows I had but I definitely can't go any longer uh-huh. because they're they're right there
0: yeah
1: um, but I was able to tune those arrows and I really got the feel that I was looking for because ultimately humans want to do what's comfortable mm-hmm. right and so your shot should feel... Like a a, a, a barca lounger that 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 spot on the sofa, mm-hmm. right? The place you're comfortable, yeah, because what you'll do is you'll end up going back to that spot again and again and again. And uh, now that I've been able to establish that, what real proper draw length felt like mm-hmm. um, I've been able to adapt and change and and move other things to augment comfort of that shot so
0: the indicator for it like people that are listening Mm -hmm. that indicator for being too long would that be you know i I mean i'm trying to think if i were to put a 27 inch mod on this how would i know if it's too long or not would it i mean aside from like say the string doesn't slap me in the arm all
1: right. Yeah, so I they're, they're, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that some of the traditional stuff, you know, like, you know, string slaps and and uh, pin float and stuff like that. That's that's definitely going to help you kind of tweak your shot as far as, you know, too long, too short. Uh-huh. That kind of stuff, but um, you you are definitely too long when you can't pull it all the way back against the draw stops and still have a little bit of expansion to give. At a reasonable tension. Now, some people want to pull the cams off the bow, whatever. You know, it's a personal feel. But at a reasonable back tension for for however you want to execute your shot, you need to have that still left in reserve to be able to execute the shot. And you will know you are too long when you get to full draw. You're up against the stops. And now you literally feel like you have to spread your rib cage or, right. or extend your arms to the point where, you know what, guess what? Yeah, I just, I just ex- executed a shot. I used to shoot a uh, a hinge. I'm, I'm now focused more on a, on a thumb button. But, uh, yeah, it becomes very evident that I can't execute a proper shot because I'm having to stretch too far.
0: Do you, do you remember Cousins? What you're saying reminds me of the Cousins seminar you remember he would talk about the amount of pressure you put into the front and back, kind of like an RPM gauge mm-hmm. on a car? And he was saying, like, you kind of slowly idle it up to, like, 5,000. And then, you know, as you're getting into anchor and everything, getting all set, and then you're going to just gently bring it up a little more to get that, sh- you know, thumb off the peg and start to execute. It's very similar. I might not be quoting it exactly the same way as we, we heard it, but... it. I know exactly what you're talking about. You want to have something left in the tank to further expand and break that shot, have follow through on both sides.
1: Yeah, a, a lot of people don't realize that the what you can feel is almost imperceptible to a tape measure. Yeah. Okay, because your body is is the ultimate metric when whether you can discern whether that's going to work or not, um, how it ultimately feels and that's why I, I run a lot of things on feel but um i have taken quarter you know you can't take a quarter twist out but you take a half twist out of a cable you know you can't really you can't really do that with your strings unfortunately you know because it's basically three or nothing mm-hmm. otherwise you'll end up having to flip peeps backwards or do <laughs> crazy stuff like that <laughs> yeah. you know but like you you're, you're trying to find that perfect Perfect thing where it's like you're just getting there to, you know, let's say yeah, your your shot executes at eleven thousand RPM, you know, because you you know you like sport crotch rocket motorcycles or something. <laughs> um, your shot executes at eleven thousand RPM, and you want to be at full draw up against the wall at ten thousand eight. Uh huh. You know, so that by the time you just apply that little bit of extra sweet sauce there, bam, yeah, off she goes. Yeah. And if everything's done correctly, right, that's going to be a, a well-executed shot.
0: hmm Yeah. Uh, man. I used to... Uh, this stuff all used to ring true in my brain all the time. I mean, it still does. I just... Mm-hmm. Dude, like, back when I was shooting with He Who Shall Not Be Named, we used to fuck with our draw lengths all the fucking time. Or we'd go shoot 60 yards, 70 yards... How would it feel? Uh, I think I need a little bit longer. Uh, I think I need a little bit shorter because I'm not, I'm not breaking the same way, you know? Mm-hmm. So we go in there, put twist in and out. For this bow and the last two bows that I've shot, I didn't touch draw length at all. And I just assumed I'm 26.5. I'll, I'll suss everything out with bars, you know? Yeah. It, you know. Yeah. A lot of high-level shooters have all fucked with their draw length one way or another. Via cable, string, what have you? You know, I I I do think that is something that is at least I've overlooked. I mean, I don't know if and and just as of recently, um, but that's very interesting that I you got the most out of like your feel tuning, mm-hmm. with draw length, and and that's combination of modules. You said string and cable.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah it, it it was a wholesale swap out. I mean obviously going to the to the number two cam oh, yeah. for the HPT it was a whole new set of strings and, and everything like that. Um but yeah, I mean it was it was an absolute eye opening experience.
0: Yeah. How about okay, so going back to feel, like stuff like back bar angle. I know you said you when you add weight you're generally doing one and one front and back. Um your back bar angle is that something you mess around with, or you pretty much set it and leave it?
1: I set it and leave it. Um, so I this this last reading, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna create a, a tangent here for a second. Sweet. Um, this last reading, I had the opportunity to shoot on target 50, um, which was the Hoyt target. Mm-hmm. Um, I thank Heather uh, Tucker for that. Uh huh. Um, and. Uh, we got to shoot with Chuck Cooley, um, a couple other, you know, very good shooters, um, some some international people that – I'm so sorry I forget your names. P.J. Except, except for P.J. Deloche. Oh, <laughs> um, because we got to watch P.J. work with this very interesting uh, stabilizer bar mounts. Mm-hmm. Um, And I I was very intrigued by this thing because basically he he had every opportunity and and he would take it on every single off camber or, uh, you know, vertical or uh, up and down shot to grab his sidebar and just move it to wherever he wanted, whenever he wanted, however. Uh And I was like, this is interesting. And uh, so it was after our day day two, we were all back under the tents and uh, I got the opportunity because PJ was there with the uh, Hoyt booth and I said... Um, I, we, we need to talk I, you need to tell me what's going on with this, uh, this bar mount that you have. And, uh, do you mind if we have uh, you know a conversation about it tomorrow while we're out on the, on the trail? And he's like, why wait? I was like, I love it. Okay. So tell me everything about it. Tell me what it is, why it's made, how it was, what is this thing? And uh, what it is is, so PJ works with uh, Arc Systems. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe, I'm, I may be misquoting, but I believe he is a uh, owner there. Um, he's, he's recently retired from the uh, French military. I think it was with the Navy at the time. Whoa. And uh, he was brought on to basically help develop product. And uh, this whole thing, it's called the, uh, the O-Block. Um, is a orbital valve. Well, that's not the right term, but it, it is basically a ball ball and socket um, joint
2: okay.
1: for the front stabilizer and the back stabilizer. And you can mount it as a single unit if you're using the front stabilizer mount um, for your front and back bars, or you can separate the two and use one on the front and the the rear. But they both have a ball and socket joint. Mm-hmm. It's just
0: like the um, like the bow vise. The, um, oh, absolutely! Ab- uh, absolutely,
1: okay. much, much in the same way uh, Butch designed his his bow vice, uh-huh. Um It allows for freedom, uh-huh. uh, an outrageous amount of freedom of movement. And uh, so, what you do is you set your tension. Um, the tension, of course, is based off of how much weight you happen to be running. Um, I do happen to know that I am exceeding manufacturer recommendations. <laughs> um, has not failed yet, which I'm just going to say probably speaks volumes to their manufacturing. <laughs> but uh, I, I saw this thing as, as a as a potential game changer because in in getting the explanation from him the simplest way he could sum it up um, of course he speaks some English and and I speaks no French <laughs> and uh, he he basically says I don't have time to practice the way I want to practice I had to make my archery easier mm-hmm. and that's why I invented this thing and and uh, it allows you, if you're going to be doing a significant downhill shot, um, the shot that it comes to mind, at least here in the Bay Area, is the rock shot at, at uh, Redwood oh, Red Red Bowman. Bowman, yeah, yeah. Um, you can take that thing and you can just flat out, you could push it so far forward that it actually matches your front stabilizer. Oh. Okay. And uh, I was like, okay. And now your bow is going to want to hold downhill. Yeah. Same can be done up uphill. Um, the only downside I've I've run into is if you run off your front stabilizer mount, there's only so far up you can go before it hits your arm, and now you're violating one of like the seven rules of freestyle, right? Right, right.
2: Can't
3: right.
1: can't touch yourself. So, um, <laughs> go on. And so, uh, yeah, like that. That's the only downside there for for an uh, an uphill shot is. That, if you're able to, or you're using it on the back, you you have a lot more freedom to push the stabilizer weight above the rear mount, which actually then now makes the bow want to cant back and now holds rock steady Mm -hmm. uphill. For uphill shot, yeah. And so, yeah, like, he, he spent an hour, hour and a half explaining this to me. Um, he told me every everything it's made of, all this different stuff. He actually showed me his stabilizer systems, which is uh, actually very simple, similar to well similar in concept to what Matthews has done with their their new what do they call those things the uh, center lock or oh, bridge it, lock bridge lock yeah um, stabilizer system in the fact that you can adjust your stabilizer lengths mm-hmm. um, to meet different demands. Instantly in the field
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I've never wanted to go to that Extreme per se um, Because I'm, I'm pretty set
0: It's a rabbit hole it's, mm-hmm. You know I, I've definitely fucked with it
1: Oh yeah but. Well that's, that's the thing is you, you give yourself options yeah. You're going to have to play with all the options Oh yeah And uh, But yeah like he, he explained all this mat- this To me about this, this Mount and stuff like that and I said okay How do I get these things and so I, he, he gave me some contact information, and I bought 12 units. Oh, sweet. Okay, so I bought two left-handed units, 10 right-handed units. Um, I wasn't thinking about it at the time, or else I, I would have actually bought a couple of uh, V-bar mounts. Um, because the V-bar mount actually works exactly the same way, but now you have independent movement on the left bar and the right bar. Whoa. Yeah, you can, you can do some pretty wacky things. So you're running this on your bow now? I am running this on my outdoor bow. On your out, okay. I have had every intention of putting one on my indoor bow, <laughs> and I have not succeeded yet. Okay,
0: shit's just shooting too good right now. Right. Well,
1: <laughs> that and I, I can mimic it and I can duplicate it, you know. But yeah, there there is a little little hesitation to uh, take a good thing and, and hopefully it. make it worse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I was running this on my outdoor bow and. Uh, I'll be damned if it doesn't do exactly what he what he designed it to do, you know. Um, I think this was the, probably the first year that I've really actually 22'd the rock shot at, at Redwood Bowman. Oh, damn. Um, just because of...
0: So you're using it for the extreme up and downhill mm-hmm. shots. Interesting.
1: Yep. And because, let's face it, we've all dealt with a static mount system. Yeah. Right? There's been no flexibility in... Adjusting it in the moment, unless you bust out a wrench, unloosen it, right? You know, you know, loosen everything up, move it to a new position, hope and pray that you got it right. Got it right back to where. And and heaven forbid you don't have a disaster, which Mm. is exactly what happened in Redding to a friend of ours, when his sidebar mount malfunctioned and and exploded. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you're like, well, what if I have the ability to do that without the wear and tear of constantly breaking a screw loose and tightening it and breaking it loose again? And so I was like yeah this this is this is sold you know um I never brought them into the United States as 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 interest to being a dealer in fact I was actually more interested in showing them to to shops mm-hmm. so that they could maybe take the next step uh uh-huh. um so I I was able to place one into the hands of uh, Rudy Rudy has one um I don't know what he's done with it if anything um I I I I did not give one or show one to uh, Pacific Archery because they've they've just kind of stepped away from from that level of competition and supporting right. competition. So I I just didn't see that as a as a viable thing. But uh, there's been quite a few uh, people that have reached out mm-hmm. with interest, and I've been able to move a couple of units that way. I, I think I still maybe have six of them. No oh, damn. But uh, yeah, it was it, it kind of they showed up at a at an inopportune moment because we were actually about to transition out of outdoor archery uh-huh. and so trying to sell somebody on something that's 99 percent outdoor oriented
0: right right you know
1: indoors is is kind of moot yeah but uh i do see some utility for indoors too yeah totally. because let's say you're you've got something that's you know well let's let's face it you're in the throes of competition the only thing that matters is getting that stick in the middle of that dot yeah right and you'll do anything you can do to do that. Well, if there's a if there's a, a, a wicked right-hand something around there going on, you can just grab that bar, throw it 90 degrees out to the left, mm-hmm. and give yourself every chance in, in the world <laughs> to, level to, to yeah. shoot it to the left. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's a Hail Mary, but it gives you the option to do that.
0: What so. word? That's cool, man. So that's... That's gonna be you you know in your kit for I'd imagine outlaws oh absolutely yeah are you, are you shooting outlaws with johan again in this um, season?
1: yo Johan is making some plans um professionally oh. um so so provided that uh, he's still here and available, I think we'll probably shoot together still Nice. Um, <clears throat> pardon me um if if not then uh. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll figure it out when uh, there's, months. there's absolutely no, no chance that I am not shooting outlaws. Hell yeah! So,
0: um, you fuck with tiller tuning at all, Randall?
1: I have, I have. Are
0: um, you doing it currently? Or are you?
1: I'm not. I'm, I'm dead even straight right now. Bows maxed out. Everything's, everything's all, all, all maxed out.
0: God but damn. I wonder what holding weight, sixty five pounds on a stratos is. It's probably yeah. sixty four pounds. <laughs>
1: Well, it's... No, it's it's 65 pounds at... Uh, I think I'm I'm at the 70% mod right now. That's what they claim. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> measured, no idea. I will say this, that both my indoor and my outdoor bow are 65 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but the blue bow feels a lot weaker than the, the, the buckskin bow. No shit. Yeah. So I, I don't know if there's a difference there or if it's just perceived. Um, it's one of those things where... I, I just said, okay, we're shooting it. I, I don't care. Yeah. And uh, maybe I'll put it on a bow scale one of these days and figure that out. But uh, no, it just it holds. It it tugs on me enough that uh, it just makes it a comfortable, holdable shot.
0: Have you checked your draw length on a draw board?
1: I have. I've, I've measured it. Now here here's the thing about me and actually measuring a draw draw length. Right. Draw length I think is is a AMA. I'm sorry is it AMO AMO measurable thing and there's there's a a formula for doing it and I what I don't like is every time I measure it it never matches up with anything Mm -hmm. right any bow I've ever measured they they never match up
0: yeah with a module and
1: so I think it's it's kind of stupid for everybody to be like well yeah you know it's this that and the other plus an inch and three quarters uh-huh. Um, no, I just what I do is because I use a uh, Last Chance Archery Press and I use the uh, Last Chance Drawboard. Mm-hmm. I just measure from the peg that's basically holding the bow right to the string, right? Okay? Gotcha. Yeah, because I yeah D loop, whatever. Yeah, I I want
0: that measurement. That's fair. From the post is essentially throw to the grip, mm-hmm. which I think is where they. Could
1: yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be throw to the grip, to the, the string, or, or, you know, to the string, not including the D-loop, plus, sure. plus an inch and three quarters. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it never really matches up with anything, like, especially in, so it's, like, arbitrary numbers to me. And so, I've, I've stopped caring.
0: I'm, what I'm curious is, is how much of your, how much did you add to your draw length outside of the module? Basically, from like twisting, like I like, how precise mm-hmm. are you getting with your draw length? Are you like, uh, for example, like twenty nine and an eighth, or are you?
1: Yeah, there's definitely some decimal points in there. Yeah. Because yeah, there's there's a couple of things. I mean, I've 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 taken half twist. Uh uh-huh. Out. Gotcha. Right. Um, to to actually shorten some things up. Mm-hmm. Um, if I want to say, if I remember correctly, I'm I'm at twenty nine. It's, it's somewhere between 29 and a half and then the next quarter plus or minus okay. twists and stuff like that. Okay, Because they did the whole quarter draw length thing. And, and don't get me wrong, that's great for 90% of the people that are out there. Uh-huh. Um, but they're never going to stop a true archer from tweaking his
0: canvas. Yeah, yeah. So, so I take it, are you running uh, the zero grip on your bow?
1: I'm running the eight.
0: The eight? So that's the high angle. High angle, and is that is the eight also with like a little bit of?
1: You can put it on there with an extra one eighth of an inch to take out an eighth of an inch of draw. Uh huh. I don't. Okay. I, I run it so just
0: the, with an 8. It's literally just the angle. Though. Yeah. The eight. Oh, interesting. Interesting. That's interesting, man. Um, you know, Rubio also shoots with high angle grip like that as well.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, if you if you really look at the the history of archery, I mean, like. High-wristed grips have, have kind of always been a thing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being able to really do, like, a, a zero degree and, and really get your ang- your uh, wrist to be able to lock back yeah. and kind of lock into that position.
0: Um, get your forearm muscle out of the way.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, that would be ideal. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to say, A, that it's comfortable, which if I'm forcing things to be in a certain way... Mm-hmm. Like I, am already fighting the natural tendencies, yeah. right? Because it's now uncomfortable. Right. And if 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 people were to look at my hands, I mean, I have thick, meaty palms of the, of my hand, which which the, the the stuff that's right over the pad of my thumb, mm-hmm. um, on my hand, it really pushes and 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 will torque. Yeah. The 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 the, the grip yeah. around the riser. And so, what, I, what I've done is because I, I have the aid on there, it gives me enough pressure back into my hand without having to get crazy with any other tuning methods or something like that. Uh-huh. It gives me the pressure that I need to be able to have a good weld to the bow yeah. and manage basically the anatomy of who I am and be able to execute a shot. Damn.
0: I've been, you know, I've been curious about the, that high angle grip. I've been wanting to to do, you know, something like that for the uh, title, just to feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think there's something to it. I haven't. I mean, I I have a long way to go before I can dabble in that. I think I gotta
1: design it, send it to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh yeah! For anyone that wants to know, Randall's my 3D printer. <laughs> you still messing around with the Mantis, Randall?
1: I uh, I do off and on. Yeah. Um I I haven't kept it on or used it indoors. Um, I've used it a lot more outdoors,
0: yeah, M- Matthews has um, a similar uh, thing called like shot sense now,
1: yeah, I, I saw Alan's using one or trying it out for West Coast. I'm, yeah. I'm interested it's it's interesting. Yeah. obviously, it's a, a Matthews product, but uh, anything they can do to
0: it is very much like a mantis. i I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it is a mantis, just licensed by Matthews, you know, yeah, but no, I dig it. Let's see. What else do we got? We covered tuning. Uh, practice routine. Dude, that's. Okay. Let's end on this. Okay? Because we, we covered a lot today. Um, give us a rundown on what your practice routine's like for indoor, uh, specifically for indoor.
1: Certainly. Um, I. So I, I shoot with Pacifica. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do have access indoors um, to go shoot pretty much five days a week six days a week if I if I'm able um and I try to go in two or three times a week okay um depending on what else I've going on I, I may suffer and only go once um I, I definitely use like currently right now because we do have an ongoing league I use that as a practice day too because uh-huh. that's kind of what league really is there for yeah. um and, uh, yeah, so I, I originally really dedicated things to 300 games, you know, um, something that, uh, Paige said in one of her many, 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 uh, tirades. Ma- yeah, maybe Facebook video. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, she made she made something the uh, comment that resonated with me that basically says that uh, she feels that every arrow she releases in competition is three times harder than every arrow she shoots in practice huh. so therefore she tries to shoot three times as many practice arrows as she does you know competition arrows so if you're gonna shoot a 300 game you're gonna have to shoot 900 aer- you know 90 arrows right well let's face it that's not necessarily the most realistic you know especially if you're at a retail establishment, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to pay. Because let's face it, you know, this is this is a San Francisco Bay Area. People want to get paid. And so like I will look at that though and say, Okay, well, you know, a three hundred game's good, but a four fifty is better. Yeah. Right? And ultimately, like California, the state indoor is a four fifty round. Be 450, yeah. And um So I've started practicing more in the 450 round or the double 600 or I'm sorry, the double 300 games, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So that you start building up the stamina to get through a 300 game without thinking about that last arrow being difficult. Right. Right. Um, Usually just like in baseball. Right. Seventh inning stretch usually is about the time where you start realizing, oh, crap, I'm starting to think about what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm now becoming self-aware and self-conscious and all this other stuff. It's
0: starting and, to fall out of flow state.
1: Yeah, and you're like, ah, oh, no, you know. And so, yeah, usually about the seventh end, uh, seventh end for me, you know, I, I start thinking, okay, now would be a good time for a lobotomy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but once you start making the move into longer games, the 450, for example, you know, I think I even posted this on your, your practice site. It's like, who cares about the seventh end when there's a 17th? Yeah. You know, it's like whatever, you know, and uh, once you're able to make that mental shift. Right. Then you come back to shooting your your league night, you know, where you yeah. go shoot a simple 300 game and, and you're then, just like, bam, 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 yeah. bam. Let's done. Let's go. Ninth
0: end doesn't phase you so much. Mm-hmm.
1: And so uh, I, I've been trying to focus more on that. Um, and it's it's definitely about quality. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's something that you have to work up to. You know, the first time you pick up a bow ever—if this is your first day as an archer—congratulations! But you have to focus on executing good shots. If you shot one shot in a day and that was the best shot that you could shoot, that is a success because you can get to the sh- the, the shop or the the range tomorrow and shoot two. And then 3, and then 4, and then 50, and then 100, and then whatever, right? Yeah. And next thing you know, if every shot that you execute is a good, if not perfect, shot, let's face it, you're unbeatable. Yeah. Right? Because most of us are very confident that if we shoot a good shot, it's middle-middle. Yeah. You know? And uh, Feels so, yeah. like
0: it. Feels like it today. Mm-hmm. Good shots are X's.
1: Yeah, if you're in control of your game... And if you're not, you're going to, you're going to identify why, yeah, you know? And so, yeah, like that, that's been my practice routine is try to get to the shop, try to try to bust out, you know, a game, game and a half, two games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in, at one point I've, I've shot uh, three, 300 games. Um, I was pissing off people left and right at Pacifica because it was just like, what is this guy doing? You know, like, I'm looking at people like, are you really going to shoot that fifth arrow, dude? Like, we're <laughs> waiting on you. But uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah, you get it in when you can and, and yeah. you got to make sure that it's quality.
0: Hey, let me ask, where are you going to shoot the State 450 at?
1: I am coming to West Coast. Okay. Um, I made that decision Um, actually I've talked to Elliot about that decision too because I've shot a lot of my my indoor stuff Um, I've shot a lot of stuff period with uh, the MTBA region Uh and not the Northern California Field Archery Association Uh region Um, it's the NCFAA has been dormant for the last five years Mm -hmm. Um, I believe there's officers in place but we've as yet heard nothing seen nothing
0: right they're jack offs Um, I'll be the first to say. Right. It s- went from defunct organization to a bunch of jack-offs.
1: <laughs> so um, we, being Olin and I, we were looking for a region that was thriving, yeah. um, competitive. MTBA is a good And point. the MTBA was, was more than we could hope for. It. Yeah. And so I've shot a lot of indoor events through there with uh, Paloma's Archery and stuff like that. And
0: it's the lady that, uh, she doesn't run it one of the directors
1: for it uh karen karen keating is, yeah. that, is that who is that who we're talking she was the, actually a, a, a cbh yeah officer um, she's right. actually moved though
0: um there's someone else i can't remember her name she used to have a husband that was very prominent in the archery uh, community as well damn Uh well I, i'm gonna derail is
1: here yeah no, worry, no worries um I yeah, the it, MTBA M- though. yeah the mtba i mean also has the eagletons yeah you know so i mean it's like they, they've got some archery royalty yeah um regardless of of where really what you're looking at but anyway so um it came became very obvious to me that in the state of california with very limited exception because there is peter peter um i cannot pronounce your last name peter i'm sorry. Um, who's kind of shoots in the central coast? He was up there at uh, Samen's? Pre- yes, yes. Yeah. Like that—that that guy's a force to be reckoned with indoors too.
0: Yeah, beat my ass at Fresno. Yeah,
1: and uh, I mean Alejandro down south. Like there, there's definitely a, the opportunity that the uh, indoor state champion for 2024, because that's technically the next one that's up, um, could be outside of the two shops I'm going to mention. But my 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 goal goal is the wrong word. My bet is that it's either going to come from West Coast or it's going to come from Palomo's. And so I was going to shoot one or the other and I, Palomo's wasn't even on the flyer. And uh, realizing that I made the decision to go shoot at West Coast. So, cool man. Well, um, shit I
0: guess I'll go do it at West Coast. Well
1: I will say this um, Palomo's actually was added late mm-hmm. um, because they, they realized that they were never even asked and so they they've kind of been added as a as a last chance, said, there. We're sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there, there will be an opportunity to shoot the state four four fifty round in twenty twenty four, at Palomos. Um, you can check the uh, check the website for details. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, it, that's very interesting, dude. We went MTB. You know, we were both NCFAA guys for a long time.
1: Oh yeah, it was it was a lot of fun when everybody wanted to compete in it and and it was active. I mean, Bill Potts. Uh, bless his soul. I mean he he had just reached the end of his his interest, you know. I mean yeah. he tried to tried so hard to keep it going for so long.
0: Yeah, Bill was a good guy. Mm-hmm. I like I always liked Bill Potts. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, we can still see him. I, I think he's still out there at uh, Diablo Bowman.
0: That's right. That's right. Bill shoots at Diablo. Yeah, man. Well, I I'll will probably end up joining you with NTBA sooner or later.
1: But we we welcome all competitors. Awesome. Um I will say this, and this is more of a shout out to them than anything. They listen with feedback, um, as pacific, especially KMA, yeah. which is the club that we actually became a member of, um, just so that we would have access to the MBA, MTBA,
0: uh-huh. Kings Mountain Archers. Correct,
1: and uh, they they are they were welcoming because I showed up, you know, kind of with that stigma that people are like, oh my gosh, what is this? Uh, he he registers as professional archer like what the hell is what's he doing Mm -hmm. and uh they they have tried to find ways to make my life miserable and it's been enjoyable (laughs) it's it's they they put some some special uh uh bonus point dots on their their uh their monthly 3ds you know that are like literally like half the size of my x10 (laughs) And been like, Okay, that's a pro dot right there. That you shoot at that and I'm just like, Yeah, I'm not feeling that dude. But uh no, they they're they're really entertaining guys. They're they're great to hang out with, always eager to do stuff.
0: Yeah, I like Alan Eagleton, you know. Mm-hmm. And I you know, don't like ba- many barebo shooters, but <laughs> Alan Eagleton I absolutely love.
1: Yeah, if anybody has a problem with the Eagletons, they've got a problem with me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, cool, Randall. We we covered everything on my list. Uh, do you have anything you want to add?
1: Uh, No, I think we pretty much covered it.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being a guest.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. I've, I've listened to, uh, I think, all of them now. Um, so I've, I've been entertained <laughs> by the show and, and your well, format and stuff that like that. That is the
0: point. This is more art than science most of the time. <laughs>
1: Well, it's it's a flowing format, which is great. So. Uh,
0: yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, dude, I I should have had you on a long time ago. but. Well, we're here now. Yeah, better now than never. So, thank you for coming on, dude. Thanks for everything you do. It's been a pleasure competing against you all these years. And, uh, I mean, we're going to lock horns again in about three weeks. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the double back-to-back Fresno experience. Oh, I love it. This is like,
0: I I say this every couple of weeks in the wintertime. I'm like, this is my favorite week. And I'm like, oh, no, wait, this is my favorite week. And then as soon as I can't, you know, as soon as my balls recharge after Fresno, it's going to be, oh, Todd Hawkins shoot. Mm -hmm. Fucking A. You know what I mean? It's just a treat every Every one of these is a treat. The Bay Area Open was so much fucking fun. You know?
1: I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I, I get an absolute kick about hosting and and helping to promote archery events. hmm Because it helps me to watch people have fun. Yeah. You know? Especially doing the things that I love to do. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, man. I have ideas for a tournament. Like, I... I had one where it was like a 1,200 round, mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. But everyone was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Then I had the idea of doing something called like the high rollers where you got to smoke a joint bef- like every two or three ends. But, of course, no fucking range will has insurance that will cover that.
1: Yeah, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> and then yeah, uh, I had another idea where it was like X is minus one, right? So oh. say <laughs> so you can shoot tens and then X is minus one. I was like, that? That could be fun.
1: Yeah, well, I've joked about this many times, and people have heard me. um, That's the guy I'm afraid of is the guy who shoots a perfect 300 with zero X's because he did that shit on purpose. Dude, he
0: either did that shit on purpose or the guy had the worst day of his life.
1: (laughs) Either either way, I'm going to be afraid of him because his off day is better than most people's on day.
0: Well, cool, man. Well, hey, uh, thanks, Randall. You know? I appreciate it, dude. This has been a a fun one. I'm good. Cool, man. Cool. All right, well, we'll see you in uh, Fresno, buddy. All
1: right, we'll be there. All right, later, pal. Bye.
0: All right, guys, I want to share one of my favorite products with you guys. It is the Baker Archery Products Pro Shop Vice. Uh, My buddy Butch out in Idaho makes a sick bow vice. Uh, And you guys are probably wondering, well, why do I need a bow vice? It makes working on your bow super easy. It's one of those must-have things, like a bow press. Um, the shop vise—you mount it somewhere on your table. You know, with it you can manipulate your bow any which way and lock it into a stationary position. You can level your sight axes. You can set up arrow rests, install D loops, knock-, knock sets. Shit like that becomes real easy. Stuff you can do really fast on the fly, um, and you know, you probably do it better quality than doing it just sitting on your couch. <laughs> In front of the TV. I'm not the only guy that likes these products. You guys might have heard of Kyle Douglas. and He uses these. If you have any interest in seeing how they work, check out my Instagram. I'm going to put up a setup video where I'm setting up my hunting bow with one of these bad boys. They are sold at bakerarcheryproducts.com for the low price of $240. Through PayPal, you could be paying really low payments, like $22 a month. These things are legit, well worth the money. When you break it down into payments, shit, it's cheaper than hell. Check them out, BakerArcheryProducts.com. Tell my buddy Butch I directed you that way so he knows it is worth sponsoring this podcast, okay? All right. Finally, the show is brought to you by my friends Darren and Bet out in Napa, California. They are the owners and operators of DB Custom Coatings, the Seracoders out of Napa. Um, my friends Darren and bet they seracote bows. They can make your old shitty bow look freaking new and awesome. They can make your boring stock colors look rare and special. Uh, Darren does an amazing job Coating. He does anything from Solid Colors to American Flags to Fades to anything. I've seen him do a Galaxy on a PSE before. It was nuts. Um, he does Casey Koffeld's bow. All right? Check that out. Casey Koffeld. On the side of the Lancaster truck, she's shooting the bow that Darren Saracoded. What does that tell you? Darren ain't no slouch. The dude is good enough for the Koffeld family. So... uh yeah. Darren's the shit. He's a super cool guy. He does releases too, you know. Don't don't just think that he doesn't uh do other things. I know he's done inserts or outserts, I think for hunting arrows for Chris Schoff. Uh all kinds of stuff. So if you guys are interested, hit him up DB Custom Coatings on Instagram. Uh you know, if you're a gun nut, if and you can disassemble your your rifle, Darren can cerakote that shit pink for you, you know? Um check them out. DB Custom Coatings on Instagram. Those guys are my friends. They're the one of the long-time oldest and biggest supporters of the show. So, show them some love, all right? All right, everyone, good night. Peace. What's up, guys? You guys know my opinions on bowstrings. I think the well, I think the top bowstrings in the world are made by Tom Parkinson. Uh, followed up by uh, Austin Kincaid. Those are some of my two favorites. I'm currently shooting uh, a set of bowstrings made by my good friend Nick Ingham and I would urge you guys to get out and check them out uh, Flingham Nation Bow Strings it's an Idaho company, takes pride in every strand, using only the best material, 452X trusted by the pros, this is true myself and Nick included well, I don't think I'm a pro anymore but Nick is definitely a pro uh, stretch for hours, uh, ready to go for performance, I know Nick stretches the strings under an insane load um you know, and you guys, if anyone knows Nick Ingham, he's a, an elite shooter. He is, I mean, I don't mean the bow company. He is a badass shooter. He's been on the podium with guys like um, Chris Schoff and uh, Kyle Douglas. Uh, if you guys want to check these strings out, go to FlinghamNation.com. That's Fling-E-M-Nation.com. Uh, you can follow Instagram, uh, follow on Instagram, Facebook, Flingham Nation. Um, and another thing, guys, if you order a set of strings from Nick, uh, use code UNFILTERED, you get 10% off a set of strings. I- I'm personally all about, uh, well, first, I'm all about Nick. I, I love Nick as a dude, personally. Um, I love his family. And he's he's breaking into string building, and he's building a damn fine set of strings. Uh, I'm going to post up a video pretty soon of uh, me installing his strings, doing some timing setup on my bow. And, uh, you guys can see the quality on there, alright? Alright y'all, check them out, Fling'em Bow Strings. <sighs> guys, my favorite stabilizer is the Carbon Craft Stabilizer. I've been talking about this bar for three years now. Um, if you guys know me, you know I am a whore for gear, and the one thing I've kept constant is the Carbon Craft Stabilizer probably gonna ask why <laughs> well quite frankly the carbon craft stabilizer is the stiffest lightest dampest stabilizer I've ever shot um, for the money for the price point it beats any other stabilizer performance wise it beats any other stabilizer uh, if you're shooting any other bar it's probably just because you're shilling all right check them out carbon craft stabilizers you can order them with my friend Brian Webb down in Fresno or you can call Rudy Sandoval at West Coast Archery